my name is Matt Brown. All right, so oh. that, that sets the stage. Oh my God! Oh, just, little lateral, just lateral. Just rugby. Do they know it's a tie game. Rugby. This is dangerous. No. Oh my God! 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 Raiders! Oh my God! That was the craziest. Oh my God! The fact that we're taping this is the first time we've ever taped this early. They don't do that in tie games. No, they do that. Oh my God! Hey, there's a flag. Rugby might not be back after all. This is gonna be the most confusing thing ever. Wait, did they took the flag off? And it was Chandler Jones. Oh my God! Oh, the graphics Jesus. person. Wow. <laughs> oh yeah. Jay. Really pissed. <laughs> oh my God. And let's start the show. Composure, good execution, doing what you're supposed to do. Hey, that's the way to play quarterback. What's going on, everybody? The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Wednesday, December 21st, 2021. Ten days to go, and then 2023 is here. Ten days to go, and it's my birthday. And we can start the new year with new goals, new dreams, new memories just around the corner to be made. And hopefully a year where we have extreme growth for our personal and professional lives. But before we get into that, before we talk about the insane NFL weekend that took place, and before we have a nice podcast for you, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdComboPod, or on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So, ah, yes, just a couple more shows left this year, and then we're on to 2023, and in 2023, we'll get back to our regular programming with not only our sports coverage, but our entertainment, news, and culture aspects of the show. On top of that, interviewing other interesting people from all walks of life, and... This episode, this episode in particular, these next two will be recorded from our studio in Norwalk, Connecticut. We are back, back in the whack, back at home, back in the basement of where I grew up, and back to where we originally started this show just a, just over two years ago. Now, it's funny, right? So I got the okay to work from home these last two weeks of the year. So I decided just to go back to Norwalk, take it easy, um regress, recharge. And we all know 2022 was definitely the most difficult year of my life so far in terms of getting on my feet, making opportunities for myself, getting my career back on track, keeping the show afloat, uh, trying to balance whatever I have in a non-existing dating life right now, um, seeing my family when I can, seeing my friends, and making up for lost time because out of 365, Five days in 2022. I've worked for at least 345 of them. Whether it was at Lively, whether it's at Curve, whether it's Uber, and most of the time it was Uber and Uber Eats. But now I got this fashion job. Now I have this podcast ready to start another year. And now I have you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, who support me and my collaborators and everyone else in between to make the show possible. But just one quick story, right? So I go back, I go from my Jersey City apartment to my home in Norwalk. 
And I think I have everything I pack. I, I bring my laptop. I bring my iPad. I bring audio equipment. And it turns out I didn't bring all of my equipment that I needed. I forgot my charger to my laptop. You know, so I'm freaking out because not only do I really have to do the 60 mile drive, go through Jersey City, go through New York City, then to Jersey City again just to get my laptop charger. Well, that was seriously considered. And then I realized, okay, maybe they have them available at Amazon. I see it. Nice price. Twenty dollars. Won't get here till Thursday. And this was Sunday. Uh, I'm doing this while the crazy World Cup final took place too. The greatest sporting event I've seen maybe ever in terms of stakes and legendary performances and plays that'll be remembered forever. So that was nuts on top of this. I go to Best Buy, $80 for this thing. $80 for a MacBook Pro charger. Son of a fucking bitch. Go to Walmart, they don't even have them. So what do I do, what do I do? Now my brother Brendan... My brother I love, and he let me borrow a desktop he invested in and decided he didn't need. So that takes care of one problem. My iPad takes care of work because most of my apps can be, most of the apps I need for work can be accessed accessed through the iPad. Everything else I need can be accessed, can be, can be accessed, accessed is not a word. Everything else can be accessed to the internet. So I figure that out. I try Zoom. Zoom doesn't download on this desktop for some reason, so we record the podcast from my iPad. And thank goodness I pay whatever dumb amount I pay for this service because I was able to get um, I was able to get a uh, cloud, and the cloud has the podcast. So solve that problem, and yeah, we somehow pulled it off. So this podcast is being recorded through a Apple desktop, and we're going to do today's show and next week's show through it, and then we'll get back producing podcasts on our laptop from there. So it was almost a show that I thought had to be postponed to the very end of the week, but we pulled it off, and we're here, right, and we're here with you right here, right now, and with that, we're going to go through week 15 in the NFL that features some of the most insane finishes you will ever see in all sporting events. We will see playoff pushes get absolutely killed, playoff pushes stay alive, and all in all, an all-out great football ahead. We saw some breakout performances. We saw some real choke jobs. We saw some historic, absolutely historic. Historic moments happened in the league this week, and we got to talk all about it with their very favorites in the productive NFL crew. Brian, Desmond, Alex, and Alex are all here to talk all things week 15 in the NFL. Stay tuned to hear Ramblin' Russ Miller for his picks next week. He is back, and we'll have a lot of fun as per usual, so let's get to it. Let's talk about week 15 in the NFL that featured the greatest comeback in NFL history. That included the most insane endings and maybe dumbest plays in NFL history as well. And a lot of other insane performances, breakout games, and all of that. So let's get to it. Brian, Alex, Alex, and Desmond, it's your guys' turn once again. Let's talk. Week 15 in the NFL. Here we go. 
And one thing to note, since I don't have my music library with me because it's on my laptop that is currently dead and will not be recharged until I get back to Jersey City, we're going to improvise and make up some sound effects. So you clearly know when the show starts and when we get to the next segment and all of that. So like I said, NFL Productive Crew, it's your guys' turn to talk all things Week 15. Let's get to it. Here we go. What's going on? We got some new technology. We got a little new look for the next two weeks. So we're going to start off right away with this. Week 15 in the NFL, by far the biggest week, by far the most entertaining, the most intense, and the most fun. We literally saw the biggest comeback in NFL history, the dumbest ending to a game in NFL history. We saw some playoff hopes get absolutely destroyed, some playoff hopes get alive, and a lot of good in between. What was that, like seven, eight games decided within the last drive or was decided in overtime? Good stuff. So let's get to it because we have a lot to talk about. Desmond, Brian, Alex, Ranelio, and and, uh, I did say everybody, Alex Young will be joining us shortly. What's going on, everyone? How you doing, everyone? Thank you for having me. Great games in the NFL this week. 12 out of the 16 were one-score games. That's what I'm talking about. And so much history between, and I don't even know where to start. Did I hear a wait? Oh, that's how exciting uh, it was. I'm, I'm just hearing things. Um, with this historic week in the NFL, again, hard to say where to start with, but let's give some praise to Alex Renelio on this one. Somebody who has been a good sport all season long, This time, your team is on the other side of history. So the Raiders and the Patriots played on a Sunday afternoon out in Las Vegas, Nevada. The score wound up being 30-24 to Raiders. The Patriots lose on, quite frankly, whether you want to say it's the dumps, the most questionable, the stupidest, the mind-numbing play known as the very final drive when the game was tied and we see the Patriots trying to run down the field. We see a lateral, which is confusing. Um, No need. It wasn't, they weren't that desperate to score. It was a tie game. Could have ran out the clock and tested in overtime, but no, we saw Stevenson's throw to Jacoby Myers. Then Jacoby Myers, I guess was throwing to Mac Jones. Not even close. Jacoby Myers hasn't, Pass intercepted. Chandler Jones, the former Patriot, takes it. He trucks Mac Jones, truly posterizes him, and that ultimately leads to a Raiders victory. It leads to possibly the end of the Patriots' season. I don't know how Mac Jones can step out of his house anymore after that. This was as funny if you're not a Patriots fan and as disastrous if you are one. So first, we'll have to throw it to the Raiders fan. How did you feel about this historic play that nobody will ever forget? Did anybody here, did they coin it, you know, miracle in the Vegas or anything like that? I don't think so. The fact that Vegas still exists is a miracle. So we'll throw that one off the table, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I got I want to take credit for watching this game to the end. I actually did show it <laughs> before this, uh, before the second to last drive, because I was so disgusted by, two first downs in the second half 
this horrendous anemic offense. Um, with that said, I thought that New England wasted a great opportunity. They shut down Devontae, kept him under 50 yards. Max Crosby was quiet off the edge. They did a lot of great things in terms of scheming and game planning, and they just threw it out the window. I mean, even Stevenson was 19 for 172 and a, and a touchdown. But, um, you know, there may have been some their magic. Um, it may just be a residue of, uh, you know, of some of the design they had throughout the season that they just kind of lost in one score games, but I can't take full credit for the game because if we're going to be honest here, uh, that catch was totally out of bounds and touched in the end zone. Uh, So it should have never got to that point, but you know, sometimes the refs, sometimes they go Stevie wonder on, on us. So I'm glad we're on the other end of this one. Yes, that was a, definitely a huge deciding factor in this. And another tough call, not going the Patriots side. But again, you oh, get cry. seven, you get you get <laughs> six tu- you get yeah. six Super Bowl rings in 20 years. I think it evens out at some point. I mean, who All actually the calls that have the gone Patriots? their way over the years, you know, like karma yeah. has to swing back eventually. The tuck rule. I mean, oh come my on. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> you know. So, no, I think the pendulum has swing back a little bit. I'll give myself credit being the person on the panel here who picked the Raiders to win. Uh, <laughs> also saying that it would be the last game of the year that they would win. So we'll see if that pans out. Uh, but, yeah, man, I, the Patriots offense is horrendous. We, we, we've we seen this. I mean, Mac Jones barely cleared 100 passing yards. I mean, without Ramondre Stevenson, they wouldn't really have had that much. You know, so – I don't think either of these teams are going to the postseason, but it was nice to see the Raiders get one more win this season, especially against the Patriots. That play was amazing. I hope that there will be posters made forever of Chandler Jones stiff arming Mac Jones into the ground because it was incredible. I couldn't believe what it was happening. I really I couldn't believe it. But you know, yeah, fantastic ending. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. I'll make my one comment for this game. After watching the Raiders, um, I think of another team that is on the side of Lady Luck this season, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. And they're the identical team. Uh, The Minnesota Vikings and the Las Vegas Raiders are the exact same teams. (laughs) Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, equally about the same. Josh Jacobs, Dalvin Cook, and then terrible defenses. Just one has luck and the other one doesn't this year. And it's a shame, but uh, kudos to them. They kept the game, you know, even though the run game absolutely got, they got destroyed um, by Ramondre Stevenson. You know, they kept it within bounds and they did what they had to do. And at the end of the day, um, that last play was the summary of this Patriots team this year. And that's utter dysfunction and confusion and players just trying to stay alive and relevant on this roster to be able to make another team's roster next season. Because they're blowing up this offense. Jacoby Jake, uh, Jacoby Myers is like, let me try to make a play. Try to see anything. We can't get anything done with a normal play call on offense. We have to do some schoolyard bullshit. It didn't work out. Um, I feel bad for Mac Jones because he had no idea that ball was coming to him. And yeah, <laughs> big Chandler Jones just putting his entire hand straight down his throat. So he didn't deserve that. But uh, I can't wait for that 8 by 10 to be put up on someone's uh, wall in there. Yeah, so we have Alex Young joining us. Good to see you, Alex. As you can, you can probably guess what we're talking about to start the show. I I do find it. I well, real quick before Alex Young goes, I just want to say I do find it ironic that um, you know that Belichick lost by the exact same thing, 
the exact same thing that he's made his money on, which is situational football and second half adjustments. And I think that they really like expose the fact that they can't do that with this uh, current coaching staff. And I think that in the off season, the point of emphasis before even firing some of these offensive pieces um, surrounding Mac Jones is getting an offensive coordinator, getting that team back on track offensively. And, you know, I just thought about it. When's the last time that a Belichick disciple has beaten, you know, Belichick? I was just thinking about that. Josh Daniels, Ryan Flores last year, the Dolphins. Yeah. Did he, did he do it? He did do it? Okay. Because I, I know it's, so. it's, ve- it's very few times it's happened. So, yeah. yeah and kudos Ray kudos to McDaniels. But um, he reckoned that was a player. But, yeah. Uh, Bill Belichick looking like a, more of an old man every day. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Man, Alex Young, how did you feel about seeing the stiff harm heard around the world? I'm going to uh, point at that. I, as you guys know, I was pissed because I wanted to start the show laughing at Alex again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but that didn't happen. So I was I was disappointed, but it was awesome. I mean, I love seeing the Patriots lose and, and, and the way they <laughs> lost. I was like, oh, maybe the Raiders they got revenge for the tuck rule. Um, and it was just a weird ending to that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's I think you guys all hit your points. Uh, I, I My only thing was I wanted to laugh at Alex again because it's been fun these last few weeks to laugh at the Raiders' misery. But, you know, the Raiders finally got a win. So good on them. And, and they won in a, you know, uh, a weird uh, circumstance that shouldn't have happened. I don't know why no one ran out of bounds or went into overtime. Don't know it was weird, but happy it happened because it was just hilarious. It was all just like, why did it was the, into overtime? But it was the miracles. So. It was the best time, best 48 hours to be a Raiders fan in Connecticut, so close to Boston. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if it was the other way around? They really would have to disband after that. 100%. If you see Max Crosby, th- uh, th- if you see, if you see like Devontae Adams throwing it midfield. Brutal. Or something. Well, this is your day to remember forever. So good stuff, Alex, for your Raiders. Now, let's, we talked about the dumbest play in NFL history. Now let's talk about the greatest regular season comeback. The Colts and the Vikings play on a Saturday afternoon. I don't know. For me, I was just traveling around. I, was listening, play, I listened to most of the game, figuring, you know, I'm just, it's just going to be another game, and nobody thought it was going to be as intense as it was. At one point, it was 36-7 to 7 in the – in the third quarter, and the game ends in overtime, 39-36. to 36. Kirk Cousins leads a 33-point comeback. And, wow, you got to give credit to Kirk Cousins, 1 o'clock on a Saturday. <laughs> For all the shit he gets, he really, really put his team into it, giving many people the ball. You saw Dalvin Cook run for his life. And then on the other side, you saw the Colts just collapse on defense. Jeff Saturday's inexperience seems to really to really be catching up with him. And I guess the real question here is, how do you feel if you're Matt Ryan now giving up? And it's been said already, but being a part of a team that gave the biggest, that has caused the biggest collapse in Super Bowl history, we have in Super Bowl 51, Patriots and Falcons. His defense blows that. And then obviously week 15 in the 2022 NFL season, his defense blows that one as well. So lots to get into and soak in here. But does anybody feel after 
a 460-yard game performance with four touchdowns, and Dalva Cook running for 95 yards. We have K.J. Osborne having a hell of a game with Justin Jefferson. I know people say the Vikings are as fraudulent as it gets, but after having the biggest comeback in regular season history for the NFL, does anybody take them a little more seriously or no, they just took advantage of a team that is truly in shambles. I'm going to say that this proves that I think that they're not frauds. I think they're a good team. I just think that they're extremely lucky and they get very streaky. They like this team has the greatest comeback in regular season history, but then put up the like, I think had to be one of maybe the largest point differential ever in the Dallas Cowboy game this year against them. So it's like they just everything and anything could happen to this team. They could win. They could get blown out. There's just so much unknown variables. I don't know what it is. Maybe they change the water between home and away games or like Kirk Cousins, if he doesn't have enough drip on, he doesn't play well. But, you know, they're just so unpredictable. Like they could, this team could, it's like when they had Case Keenum um, as at a quarterback and they had that miraculous run. This team could make a miraculous run or they could lose in the first round. They're just, they're such a wild card. Like it's actually, it's a shame they aren't an actual wild card seed because it'd be so fitting of them. They are the most toxic, like amazing, beautiful, miraculous, travesty, horrible team I've ever seen in my life. It's just so night and day at all times. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they're fraud still because you go down 33 <laughs> to the Colts and need a miracle comeback to win. Now you picture that against the team. Uh, any of these playoff teams, you think they the Vikings will come back from 33 against any of the good teams that are in the playoffs? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and like, that, you know, that's my takeaway. It was awesome to see that comeback. Uh, I was at a family party with my fiance. It was awesome. Like we all were hyped up. We're like, oh my god, this is incredible. But then when you're looking at it from a serious standpoint, you're like, they gave up 33 first half points or whatever it was to the Colts, one of the worst teams we've seen all year. And now you put that into a playoff perspective of if this team plays, like I said, any of those playoff teams and they come out like that, there's no way they're repeating what they did. And that's why I think they're frauds. I, I, I you know, when it comes playoff time, uh, what they're doing right now is awesome. Like I said, coming back, we all love seeing comebacks and all that as football fans. It's great, but they won't be able to come off slow in the playoffs and try to do this again. There's no way in hell. And that's why I think they're still a fraudulent team. This win did not impress me. You know, it's um, the offense can't be underestimated. Obviously, when you have a top 10 running back and a top five wide receiver, I mean, you're going to be able to put up points every single week. But the defense is what should worry everyone. I mean, they are number 28 in the league in points per game allowed. You know, so only four teams are worse than them. You, you can't be going into the playoffs as an 11 and three team with a bottom five defense and points allowed. And so, yeah, I mean, it's great that. They have this comeback. It's going to be one for the history age. I mean, like it was the biggest comeback in NFL history, you know, regular season or postseason. You know, no one can take that away from you. But at the same time, it's like your defense is not sustainable. So it's, yeah, okay, it's great that you can score 30 points a game. But if you're giving up 30 points a game, then you're always hoping that you're going to eke it out. And like as Alex Young was saying, when you get to the playoffs, you're not going to be able to do that against other teams who are just as good, if not better than you. So, I mean, great regular season team. I think they get bounced in the first round still. Defense just horrendous. 
So as usual for the past 10 weeks, I'll be the one lone uh, Minnesota apologist. I think that when we look back at this game, yeah, it was a miraculous comeback and one for the history books. But I, I still think that there's a lot for Minnesota to hang its hat on. You know, there, there's always going to be one team or two teams every playoff run um, that have, you know, a fraudulent or a weak uh, unit in their, in you know, in their team. And, you know, that may be their defense. And they, they have, you know, multiple ways to win on offense. And I think that's good enough to kind of overcome these things, even with a slower pace as the playoffs comes around. I think it really comes down to matchups. Um, if you can exploit matchups, whether it's a corner, like um, Brian has alluded to with the Cowboys, particularly this year, or, you know, a weak side on the, on, um, you know, on the defensive line where you could get an edge. Um, I think that Kevin O'Connell has proved himself as coach of the year, I believe, um, to be able to, you know, uh, adjust and scheme for a second half where they could take advantage of that on offense. So I really think it comes down to coaching in this league, particularly when we talk about second half adjustments. And I think that if they get the right matchup um, in the playoffs, I think that they could be proven just as good as they've been able to be. And I think that a lot of this has to do with just, um, you know, execution because they didn't have to come back from that, uh, that deficit, but they, they made the plays they needed to. And I think, you know, in addition to that, I think Indianapolis accruing 11 penalties for 100 plus yards, I think, helped them expedite that process as well. Couldn't agree with you more. I mentioned this to you all in, a, in our group chat, and I wanted to ask the audiences as well. After watching this game, I think there needs to be a statistical change when it comes to passing yards for quarterbacks. Oh, here we go. Kirk Cousins <laughs> had 460 passing yards. His pure passing yards was not 460 yards. Dalvin Cook broke off, I think it was like a 50 or 60-yard screen pass. K.J. Osborne had like a 60-yard screen pass. Why is it that yards after contact or yard no yards after catch count towards the quarterback? Because if you look at this game by Kirk Cousins, he had an amazing game, 460 passing yards, four TDs to two interceptions, 99.3 quarterback rating. Yet, if you really take away those yards, he had a shitty game, average game. He had a comeback. He made the throws he won. But his athletes, his receivers, his running backs, his tight ends got the yards, not him. And he's going to get credited for this win and not the players. And that aggravates me. I think there needs to be a statistical change in how we count passing yards. So you just oh, want to count air yards then? Right. Passing yards should be pure air yards, in my opinion. And then there should be a separate stat on yards after catch, and that should be for, for the receiver. It's the same thing with bobbled interceptions. It doesn't make sense to me. It's not a passing yard. It's at that point the ball's caught already. It's a it's 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 getting run. You know what I mean? I want to make a quick point too about Minnesota is that we may be able to uh, shit on this defense and whatnot, but it really does come down to situational football and making the plays at the right time. Because when Kansas City won their Super Bowl, they had a, a lackluster defense, including you know on their front four. Um, this is pre Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Um, I think that. You know, I think it's just about making enough plays and 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 coming up with, um, you know, the second half adjustments that are needed, because the one thing we don't talk about, per se, is that Kevin O'Connell and Jeff Saturday are both rookie um, coaches. It just came to a matter of getting guys adjusted and ready to come out in a second half and, and make those uh, make those plays. Yeah, but the, the, the thing that separates that Chiefs team was that they had an out standing offense. And I know there's a lot of weapons here, but you have Patrick Mahomes compared to Kirk Cousins. Uh, mm -hmm. kind of 
changes the perception a little bit for this team. I know you'd like to be the Vikings apologist, but <clears throat> try to compare them to the oh, Chiefs. really don't. Hey, really every show needs a Vikings apologist. No. It's really hard. Now. It's really hard. Alex, Alex, Alex made himself the guy there. Yeah, he's <laughs> a Vikings <laughs> apologist here on there. We'll, we'll talk about I got pushed in a corner. Yeah, yeah. We all we all will look to him when they get bounced in the first round as to why that might have been the case. Yeah, yeah you know, it's, it's, apparently I'm Mr. also the Minnesota. Cowboy apologist somehow because the Cowboys fan over here just keeps dunking <laughs> on his own team. Listen, I'm, really, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm realistic. I'm realistic. Yes, before we have some fun with that, I want to talk about the New York football giants where we saw Daniel Jones get his First primetime victory. They defeat the Washington Commanders and now are just one win away officially to securing a playoff position after that. How about that? Seems you reckon maybe this time the referees help the Giants, especially the final play of the game. Won't discredit that. But you know what? A win's a win. Sometimes the ball rolls your way. And for a Giants team where it seems like that never was the case for the past 10 years, it's finally our time to get a win and maybe get some help along the way with it. So with the Giants securing this victory and officially hitting their over this year, I'll give it to Alex. How do you feel about the Giants this week, whether it's Saquon playing a good game the breakout game for Kayvon Thibodeau, um, Daniel Jones staying compo- composed and everything. What do we think? Uh, I was happy you guys all knew that. Um, you know, should have flag been thrown up at the end of that game for sure. I, I think the McLaurin thing really needs to get looked at. I think we need to get an actual report of what happened there um, on that final play. But I'm happy that the flag finally went in the Giants' favor, right? And, and there were different moments for both sides. You can make arguments for, for both teams on the egregious missed calls. There was uh, egregious uh, hands and face for Thibodeau, who was able to break out game. Uh, they didn't call that. There was Rich James getting flanned um, on, on a crossing route. They didn't call that, right? So there was a lot of mismanaged officiating, and that's how officiating has been this year um, it, throughout the whole league. Um, and I'm happy it went in the Giants' favor this time around. But um, just looking at the bright spots, uh, you know, all – I think that first quarter, this is Thibodeau's breakout game, right? You guys all saw it. Um, I think it was fantastic what he was doing. This is why he got selected so high. Um, and I hope he continues wreaking havoc. Um, he was a game changer. Um, he fired up that defense, and that's what they needed to do. You know, um, that tie a few weeks ago, um, Heineke was in the throws, having time to make those throws late. This time he was rushing. Um, they helped in the second half, and Thibodeau was a big part of that. Um you know, and, and Jones did what he needed to do um, to keep, you know, he was a game manager. Um, and then lastly, for me, the positive was seeing Saquon just rip off those runs late in the game when it mattered yeah. most. He was just like 14 yards, 14 yards, 14 yards. Like, And it was just great to see that when it mattered most, everyone showed up. And lately for the Giants, at least for the last you know five years, when we have the momentum, we give it right back and we lose games late. And it was, it was happy to see the Giants going on a, a nice drive to solidify the win, um, seeing how fired up this team is. And and the fact that we're here, uh, one pretty much win away of locking a playoff spot uh, is is great. It's been a fun run. But this last game, I, I think, showed that the future is very bright with, with the Giants as, as it is with the Jets um, as well in New York, which is shocking to say that both New York teams have a bright future. But All here we are. Um, and, and it's been great. Um, and like I said, I hope to see Kayvon keep on doing this. Um, 
because this is why we drafted in July. Uh, and it was fun to see it. Like even my uncles, my dad, uh, all of you guys know, but you know, my dad has seen tickets for the Giants polo grounds. We've had them in our, our family for a really long time. My uncles are like, who just came out of my job right now? And I know it's early to say, but like what he was doing around all of us of LT, right? Like he was just every single play. It was like, Oh my God, he's there. Like, Oh, they're running the ball again. He's in the backfield making a tackle. He's rushing the quarterback. So, Hope this keeps up. Uh, it was a breakout game. I think he's excited. I think all of us are excited to see what happens against the Vikings this week. But overall, it's still a fun game for Giants fans. Yeah, Alex, I think uh, you said everything that needed to be said. Playing with house money from here on out. You know, we, we do have an exciting future ahead. And let's go for it. Let's just try to get this postseason experience, if anything. And as you said, we need to at least win one of the next three games, which includes a Vikings team that Alex Ranelia will definitely be supporting. We have a Colts team <laughs> that keeps their that we really need them to keep their disaster streak alive. And of course, we have the Eagles. And you know, if it does go to that game, we'll see if they will be resting their players or not. But chances are high for a big blue. So let's enjoy the ride. That's all we can ask for at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to give credit to the Giants offensive line. In my opinion, they held the second best defensive line outside of Philadelphia to uh, no sacks uh, this game. And that's uh, pretty amazing. In my opinion, the key for Washington's win would have been to have three sacks and they got none. Um, and that's what we see. We see a close game that, you know, was just a dink and dunk game managing by Daniel Jones with those Saquon uh, carries late in the game that really opened it up and kept that drive alive for you guys. So, you know, um, Washington, it has a lot of promise. It's definitely going to be a free agent hub, in my opinion, if they get a new owner and some right direction, because they have a lot of good players on this team that have a lot of uh, potential. Um, shout out to Brian Robinson Jr., who uh, got shot in the leg a few times and missed a bunch of games in the beginning of the season. In his limited time, he already has 600 yards rushing this season. So he's really there. They have a lot of – both teams have a lot of rookies with a lot of talent this year that are uh, showing their uh, upside. So good for them. Yeah, and well, I'm so glad that Chase Young didn't come back. That game. Yeah, yeah that was helped. that would have been a big factor in this game. You know, I've had a lot of predictions go wrong this year, especially mm. with the Falcons. So uh, it was nice to see the Commanders lose, like I was hoping. Honestly, towards the end of the game, it was kind of just hard to watch in the sense that the Giants were doing the same thing to the Commanders over and over again. <laughs> those inside runs it just kept hitting them again and again and again, and Washington had no answer for it. Um, yeah, I like the Giants making it as a seventh seed. I think they're going to find a way to get, I think, two of these final three games at least. But um, I'm still a little iffy on Daniel Jones. I know that they got the win, but didn't really look too great in the process. And now Washington's talking about possibly going back to to Carson Wentz. So that's quite the turnaround for them. I mean, so quickly, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But one oh, congratulations to the Giants, yeah. though. Their first time getting eight wins in a season since 2016. So it's uh, mm-hmm. it's been a while, Giants fans. Feels so, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely, you know, enjoy the win and, and be, you know, encouraged by it, you know, as you set your sights for the playoffs. I would definitely try to couch it a little bit because I think the most glaring stat for me was just the fact that the yards per play for the Giants were 4.6, which means that this team has one way of winning, which is run it down your throat, control the clock, make enough defensive plays, and dink and dunk with Daniel Jones. And that may work for the regular season, but it definitely smells like a first-round bounce 
So I am very, you know, encouraged by, by the win in some respects. Like I think that the Giants defense with three sacks, and two forced fumbles show that they really can amp up the, the energy um, when, when, when the time is right, um, when it comes playoff time. But I think that this very much is a one trick pony with this offense. And I think that in an ugly game, um, three for 20 combined on first down, I mean, on third down, like that's, <laughs> that's just, that's hard to watch. And I think that, um, you know, uh, it's just, I don't know. I don't really know. I guess for me, the only thing I don't know about this team is what to quantify them as, because going down the stretch, there's very winnable games. Um, I see them, you know, being a seventh seed ticket into the playoffs. And it's just going to be a matter of how much can they stretch the capacity for that defense to really control a game. You know what, though? One final point I want to make here to all the Giants fans who might be listening. I was told earlier that there are some Giants fans listening to the podcast. I like your chances against Minnesota in the first round. If that's the matchup, if it's the Giants going to Minneapolis, I like that matchup. I think the Giants can beat the Vikings in the first round. Well, let's I hope agree. we have a preview this weekend with that. I agree completely on that one. I want to make one last comment. I think you have to utilize the tight end position a lot mm-hmm. more. Yep. Um, yeah, I personally, yeah, I personally think your two best athletes on the field outside of Saquon and uh, Daniel Jones is Daniel Bellinger and Nick Vanette. They're two athletic mm-hmm. tight ends where, um, in my opinion, Daniel Jones is the perfect quarterback for a play-action heavy kind of pass offense just because of his mobility and the ability to then, if the pass isn't there, to then run and scramble. So, in my opinion, they should be running a Steve Young kind of offense um, back in those 49ers days where it was heavy play-action and feed the ball to the running back. So, hopefully, Bellinger gets more targets. He only had four this game. I would like to see him get eight. Um, and uh, continue their success. Yeah. I want to give a little bit of shout-out and brownie points to Kayvon Thibodeau for coming out tonight, that night, too. Love it. Love yeah. it. And just the real, real debate coming in. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, let you, I'll let you finish no, that. Yeah, I was just going to say, just real quick, I agree with Brian on, on rolling out Bellinger. Before he got hurt, a lot of those big chunk plays that Giants had were rollouts to Daniel the, the Bellinger um, on those short kind of immediate routes. So I think they should, uh, should do that. And then my second last thing. I'm interested to see what happens with the commanders in the next following weeks with the Phoenix Suns being bought today. I think it's going to be really interesting to see the market on who's going to buy the commanders and how much, because the Suns got sold for $4 billion. And I want, I don't even know what the value for the commanders are going to be. Yo, Bezos is going to buy the commanders. Like you don't have to worry about it. He's going to buy the commanders. I would think the market's going to get pretty high for the commanders now that one of the available teams in the major markets is off. So I think that's something we should be looking out for and see what that price tag is going to be. If the Suns got fought for $4 billion, I want to know what an NFL team is going to go for. Yeah, especially like you said, with a rich for a Washington franchise that has that is very historic, that has Super Bowls under their belt that has NFL championships and in a top five market in the United States, also on the brink of getting a new stadium, I'd say like six to $7 billion for, you know, who somebody who got a B minus in economics in uh, high school. Um, so we'll, we'll see with that. But, and the other debate, I'll leave this open-ended to think about what will the giants do with Daniel Jones now? Do you keep him or you let him go? And um, like I said, that debate, we'll say that for another day. But as the weeks go by, we'll see if Daniel Jones can make his case for that. And now going to another NFC East team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Though. The Eagles beat the Bears 25 to 20. 
to now the one thing to get out of this, we know who the bears are. We know who the Eagles are, but the one thing we have to question now is the alleged sprained shoulder of Jalen hurts. Um, I saw that was reported yesterday at the moment. Do we know any updates since then? And people are wondering if um, he's even going to be playing next uh, this upcoming week against the Cowboys. And if Gardner Minshew is going to be the guy, it looks like things are all pointing that Gardner Minshew is actually going to start. But should the Eagles and especially the Eagle fan I am saying, I'm speaking to on this, are the Eagles in trouble if Jalen Hurts' injuries as bad as it could be? And again, I'm not sure. I haven't seen on the other reports uh, yeah. updates on that, but um, how concerned are you if, if concerned at all? <laughs> I'm not concerned about the injury as much as I'm concerned about the the really rough decision making that comes in like rest versus rust. Because from uh, from all accounts, Adam Schefter has talked about it. Uh, Sirianni gave a press conference today. They made it seem like it's a really light injury. Like he could recover from it in like maybe like a week to maybe three weeks tops. Like there's Jalen Hurts got on the podium today and said that he might even play this Saturday against the Cowboys. So I mean. I'm not worried about the injury. It's just about like managing when to bring him back because having a month off, you know, if he, they were to send him for the rest of the season, then have a first round buy, then you don't play for a month and you're in a divisional playoff game. That feels like a recipe for disaster. So that's really what I'm kind of worried about is kind of figuring out how to manage some reps in between now and uh, hopefully, you know, the division round of the playoffs because we only need one more win to lock up the number one seed. So um, as far as facing the Cowboys this week, I would like for Jalen to be out there, but obviously if he's injured, then we got to go with Minshew. And I have, I have faith that Minshew has enough with a Dallas defense right now that is reeling, just reeling right now. So I think um, I like our chances either way. I like them less now, but I think Jalen's going to be all right. As far as Andrew is concerned. You know, it really stinks is uh, at least for a month we were talking about the big Christmas Eve game of the yeah. Eagles and the Cowboys. And reckon this injury is bad, but also we'll obviously talk about the Cowboys and Jaguars next. But with the Cowboys losing this past week, that game, though still interesting, but now it's them two games back, it's the luster has lessened a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles would have to lose out and the Cowboys would have to win out in order for the Cowboys to take the division. I don't think we're going to lose the Saints, no offense to them. So, you know, even if we lost the Cowboys this week, I, I like our chances to get the one seed. Uh, but yeah, it takes a little bit of luster off the game for sure. But, you know, anytime the Eagles are facing the Cowboys, it's my favorite game of the year. Like, no offense to the Giants or the Commanders. But when I think of like who our biggest rival is in the division, I always think of Dallas first because I hate the Cowboys the most. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, just a quick note about the Bears. I appreciated the fact that even though they had nothing to play for, they still showed up and showed out. Justin Fields is the baller. Uh, I'm going to be eating my words for a while, calling him a bust because obviously he is great. And I thought they might cover. They really did. And man, you got to get get that Bears team a dome and a couple good receivers. You know, they're going to be great, I think, going forward. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, there's not really much else to add with the Eagles. We know they're really good. And Jalen Hurts is going to be all right. So, I mean, if anyone else has anything, say forever, yeah. say what you have to say. Well, I just I wanted to just kind of address the elephant in the room, too, uh, in addition to what Desmond said, which is it's not just that um, I have faith that he'll come back from injury cleanly and in a you know timely manner. But I just wanted to kind of 
you know, heap some praise on the love that they really play complimentary football. They're dominant on their front four. They have lockdown corners. Um, they can run the ball on anybody. Um, they can win through the air as well when they need to. This game was, you know, no shorter proof of it with Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown combining for 14 for 307. I mean, they are lethal on all fronts, which is why they're the most complete team. So I just wanted to kind of, you know, remind people and emphasize that when you put in a backup, you really have should have full faith and confidence in Sirianni and this coaching staff because they're playing with top level elite guys at every position. Yeah. And I also think it's one of the best backups in the league. We just kind of got lucky that way. It's all it takes sometimes. It's all it takes. So let's now transfer to the Cowboys and the Jaguars. Man, Brian, one of the funniest things I ever seen somebody text this year was, man, the Cowboys are a bad team and nobody believes me. Do any of you support that cause after this game? blowing a lead, letting Dak Prescott show why he maybe is just a regular season quarterback, if that. And we also see Trevor Lawrence week after week showing us that he is an NFL quarterback. And essentially, I believe if they went out, they, they have a solid chance of winning their division now. So um, yeah. what do we think about the Cowboys at this point at 10-4 with that embarrassing loss in overtime? I want to go last. You want well, to go Brian, Okay. I want to go first then. Okay. Well, real quick, real quick. Matt, what was that quote you had from Brian about the Cowboys? The Cowboys are a bad team, but nobody believes me. That should be Brian's memoir when he fades away. <laughs> in, go ahead, in, in, go ahead. Into the fray I go. Oh, right, man. So people have been killing Dak, and I – don't understand how is the, <laughs> how the Eagles fan on the panel is defending the Cowboys, but here we are. Look, here, here's some truth, though. Dak has 10 interceptions since week seven. That's the most in the NFL during that time. It's also true that he had like a broken, what was a broken thumb on his throwing hand. So, I yeah. mean, like, and also, like, if you look at the, if you like watching any of these games, like CeeDee Lamb is their only receiver who can actually win against man coverage. So, I mean, like, Dak has been forcing the ball a lot in tight windows because let's call it what it is. The Cowboys, for the most part, have a very toxic fan base who, like, demand winning all the time. And so I feel like Dak is just the latest quarterback who feels the pressure to perform even when he probably doesn't have a great team around him. You know, I mean, like the passing game for the Cowboys is just not that strong. I think he's trying too much. And also the one thing I want to say about this particular game, I've been saying this all year. If your team scores so many points, and I know Brian's going to feel differently, you, the defense, you know, like they can't give up that many points. I, I don't care what the situations are. Like no self-respecting defensive player is going to be like, yeah, our offense spotted us 34, but we lost the game, but it's their fault. You're, you're never going to say that. I mean, in fact, it was uh, earlier today that the safety curse actually said, and this is a quote, when the Cowboys offense scores 34 points, it should result in a win, a comfortable win. So I'm glad that the Cowboys defense is taking some accountability for this. You got torched for 40 points, you know, like in Jacksonville. Obviously, you know, six of that's a pick six, but either way, that's embarrassing. They got to shore that up. They were supposed to be a dominant defense. They're looking like a lot of fluff right now. Yeah, uh, I don't know. My dad has some weird, like, some future predicting thing in this game. Because I was like, oh, I was over <laughs> at the house. And I was sitting there, and I was, like, watching. I can't remember why the game was on at the time. And I was like, oh, dude, you know, Cowboys, Jags, Cowboys are up. The game's over. And then my dad, like, flips his game on, like, five minutes later. And it's, like, closer. 
I'm like, oh, it's still over. <laughs> Go to the next game. Five minutes, it's closer. And my dad is like, are, are, are you saying it's over? And the next thing you know, he's screaming on the top of his lungs that the Cowboys lost being a Giants <laughs> fan seeing that pick six. And he was like, I told you the game wasn't over. And I was like, that is a terrible loss. Like, it was just overall a terrible loss. And, and like Desmond said, this defense, for some reason, from like after the Giants game, where they were just so dominant when they played the Giants at MetLife, to now, this is like a completely second shift defense. Like, I don't see the same pressure. I don't see the same attack. I don't see the same coverage. And Trevor Lawrence has had himself a day. And I think he just, everyone kind of is like, wow, the Jags, have, this team's coming. And like Matt said, they have a chance to, if they went out, win the division, which is shocking at this point. None of us thought that was going to happen. But it was just a terrible loss, I think, for Dallas. And now there's question marks. And I think a lot of us were excited for this uh, this Cowboys-Eagles matchup this weekend. Obviously, them losing kind of lose its luster. But there's a lot of question marks for me with the Dallas team. Are they just a really good regular season team year in and year out? Or is this year they finally prove it? I really don't know at this point because – there's times they look excellent, and now there's times where they look like this, and it's just surprising and shocking to me. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a terrible loss. I think there's a lot of question marks around this Cowboys team. I'm a Giants fan. I love seeing that happen. And, yeah, Dak definitely needs to play better. I, I'm sorry. I know he had injuries, and I know things like that, but you can't play as bad as he did in the second half of that game. You have to lock things down, especially when you had, the, you know, you had you know your feet on their throats late in that – you know not late in that game, but – you're controlling the whole game, and then next thing you know, it all hell broke. So, so a lot of question marks with Dallas going forward. The only thing I'll say, too, is that we kind of constantly remind ourselves, too, that I've been kind of grading this entire division, the NFC East, on kind of a curve, on a grading curve, because of the fact that, um, you know, a strength of schedule kind of comparison relatively to the rest of the league. But I also think that this may also be, we were talking about karma earlier with the Raiders-Patriots, this may be a little payback from Doug Peterson. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's some juice to that. I mean, when you're the when you face the same teams year in and year out, you know those coaches, you know those players. Sure. I mean, yeah. You, one last point I want to make is also I know that the Cowboys defense is facing some injuries. Van Der Esch constantly having neck issues. Their corners take a shot this year. I mean, their their second corner now is like now an open competition in Week 16. I mean, yeah, yeah there's, some dis, there's some dysfunction there. Right. Okay. So, um. <laughs> My initial reactions were I want Dak Prescott, you know, out of here. I'm aggravated at the defense. I hate the play calling. And I really, at the end of the day, I come to the conclusion of this is the best thing that could happen to us because it grounds us and makes us realize that we make mistakes. We have flaws. The defense, even though they played stellar this year, it was a pipe dream. Why? Because it's the first year Micah Parsons fully playing defensive end, never doing that before. He's gonna. He, this was his best game for pressures, second most pressures in a single game the entire year behind Nick Bosa. But still, even doing that, he was gassed. He was tired. Playing, going from off-ball linebacker to playing defensive end takes a wear and tear on your body, and he's quoted that. Also, no one else, Dorrance Armstrong, got hurt this game. A great a rotational guy for us that has, I think, almost eight sacks this season. Demarcus Lawrence plays great in the run, but he's very streaky in pass rush. So he didn't have a good game. The injuries in the linebacker court with Van Der Esch, Anthony Barr is coming off injury. We still don't – and now with Micah Parsons playing DN, we don't have that guy in the second level. Our safeties are Pro Bowl caliber players, but Trayvon Diggs is a very streaky top five cornerback, 
and we have no cornerback two right now. It's basically a blank position, and if you throw there, anyone scores. Look at Zay Jones. Zay Jones was almost out of the league a few years ago, and he had the best game of his career. So it comes down mm-hmm. to the fact that our biggest weekend weakness has been depth because we go for – we move up in drafts. We go for the big-name guys. You know, we'd make, we, uh, we don't do anything in free agency when this team needed depth. And thank God we have um, Deron Bland, who's a rookie, playing our nickel position because Jordan Lewis got hurt at cornerback who was playing lights out this year. But now with Anthony Brown gone, we have our outside cornerback too. No one can fill that position. You know, it's very it's very hard to find two good cornerbacks in the league, like the Eagles with Bradbury and Slate to lock it down, and we're not doing that. And when it comes down to Dak, I know Desmond was like, oh, it's the defense is a defense. But here's the, here's the real tale of this game, I say. It's 21-10 at half. Field goal by the Jacksonville, field goal by Dallas. Dallas is known for field goals. That's what we do. Interception by the Jaguars. Thrown. Field goal by Dallas. Right now, that should be a touchdown. If you get a turnover, you need to get a touchdown. That's how the NFL is. You cannot settle for field goals. Then we have an interception. Jaguars touchdown. A, A Cowboy punt. A Jaguars touchdown. A Cowboys touchdown. Jaguars fumble. A Cowboys punt and a Jaguars field goal. And then another punt and an interception touchdown to win the game. In those five Offensive plays after it was 27-14, okay? The Cowboys, um, after 27-17, the Cowboys had a plus four yards on offense. That's play calling right there. That's Dak Prescott forcing throws. I know he has no separation right now outside of CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup on occasion, but guess what? That doesn't mean you throw the football at at crowds. Guess what? Wait a little bit. I know you have a fake ankle. Move around in the pocket a little bit. Moving around in the pocket opens up receivers because then cornerbacks get a little off kilter. You have two pro ball running backs throw to the boundaries and do a couple of bubbles. Like it's not really like he is in this now, I think his seventh season. He can audible. He has, he has balls. He could do it. He has a big man voice. Go to your Kellen Moore, who was your backup and say, I want this play calling. Be a grown man. It's time now. You're in this league. You got paid this money. You could be like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and make comments to your OC. And then when it comes to the play calling, Mike McCarthy, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, guy, be disciplined and go to your coach and say, hey, it's now going to be we're going in 34-34. It's now 34-31. Jag- Trevor Lawrence just fumbled. You know what the defense knows that we're going to do? Run the fucking ball up the middle because that's what everyone does because it's conservative. How about you hit the tight end over the middle for 12 yards and move the sticks and get a tight end, get, get, remove a timeout, and then you could start running the ball. I never understood that in football. Everyone knows you're going to stack the box and run up the middle with eight men in there, and you're going to go three and out. Why not actually make a big jump play, pass yard, remove a timeout, so then when you actually then run the ball, the, the, the clock runs out. It's bad. It is poor game management by the head coach, bad play calling by the OC, and a lot of bad luck on the defense with injuries right now. And due to that, the Dallas Cowboys will be a, a one and out against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Thank you for my TED no. Talk. 
And I don't just, just don't bad. see it. I don't see the Buccaneers no. winning a playoff game. I mean, I think you're getting so lucky drawing them first, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not winning a college. They're the default game. one. <laughs> well, well, Brian, we appreciate your passion in this. And uh, my only question to you at this moment is, um, if does it take a Super Bowl win for Mike McCarthy to stay? Yes, in my opinion, it does because Dan Quinn is the heart and soul of this team, and I think if 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 Mike McCarthy has a bad Super Bowl win, he might get the boot. <laughs> like, look at, listen, just, look at, look at Jerry. Look at Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones got rid of got rid of Jimmy Johnson and put in Barry Switzer. Like Mike McCarthy yeah. cannot be a disciplined head coach. He we have a shit ton of penalties. He can't actually like d- discipline his players. He can't actually t- communicate with his offensive coordinator and be like, let's change up the play calls that now weren't working the entire half. He can make second half adjustments. Like he had Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Clark, Kirk Cobb in their prime with a chubby Eddie Lacy and Aaron Jones. And he couldn't do anything after that Super Bowl. So in my opinion, like if you couldn't do anything with that. We have a poor man's version of that in Dallas. What are we doing here? Yeah, but he's not gonna he's not gonna fire McCarthy. He's exactly the pass that he wants. He wants a guy he can push around that he can let clap and do his thing. That's why he kept uh, Jason Garrett around for as long as he did. If he wanted a real personality that would take him to the next level, he would have hired them twenty five years ago. I agree completely, and that's why last week I said the next time we'll win a Super Bowl is when Jerry Jones is six feet under, and that is the truth. And I'm sorry to say that I don't wish it on anyone, but the man is a tyrant on this organization and the league in the which way in which he manages an organization. It's a shame. I, I, I firmly believe after this man goes on to up or down or wherever the hell he goes after his life, they put in a rule that you cannot be the owner and the general manager. It's a separation but, of church and state. You, you can't do it. Hey, it hasn't really I, proven in a while. So I was just going to yeah. say off that, like, Brian, does your opinion change if they fire McCarthy and then they convince Sean Payton to come to Dallas? Would you think they um, would win the Super Bowl Payton as their head coach? I think they would because Sean Payton demands excellence at all times. And I think it would be very good to have a guy that had Drew Brees a long time with Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott, in my opinion, is still a raw talent. I really don't think he was ever fully developed because his quarterback coach was his backup his entire career. Like from four of his now seven years in the league. Like if he couldn't make it in the NFL, I really don't see him giving anything to Prescott if Prescott beat him out. In my opinion, he needs actual experience, leadership. Um, You know, Tony Romo was the greatest thing for him in that rookie season because he actually helped him out. And he was like, he needed a mentor. Like in my opinion, I would sign next season a veteran backup to help Dak out. Because you could see he's not progressing the way he is. I still think he's afraid of his ankle in my opinion, because he's not moving out of the pocket like he used to. He's basically standing up the entire time with very limited mobility. And in my opinion, this is starting to look like a very rough situation. If he doesn't progress anymore, I don't see them their ceiling ever raising because they're just going to age on the offensive line even more. Imagine when Zach Martin's gone. And imagine when Tony Pollard goes to a team that actually is going to pay him this offseason. And we have Ezekiel Elliott at almost you know 30 years old. The joy that it brings, man. The joy that it brings. Well, Cowboys, always getting us talking one way or another. So let's keep the passion right here, right now. 
we had on a Saturday, Sunday afternoon at MetLife Stadium. I watched this after the greatest World Cup final ever. The oh. Jets played the Lions. And, oh, boy. The Jets started the season 6-3. and three. They are 7-7. Seven and seven and really are now in a place where they might not make the playoffs. And Jared Goff, he just stuns the Jets late. I mean, it was a disaster from the start when it was a 40, when they had a 47 yard punt return to start the game. Um, in the first quarter, this happened and just get some momentum back. And Zach Wilson, man, listen, I know I'm against Mike White being a long-term answer, but boy, they really wish he was there. Zach Wilson somehow had 317 yards, but you really only could count on those straight up lobs that you would see in a Madden game, just trying to make up for lost time. He was a mess out there. No running game whatsoever. And uh, the Lions, they started out one and six at their seven and seven and have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs. Now, Uh, Zach Wilson is going to get the start on Thursday against Jacksonville even though he clearly doesn't deserve it after just a terrible game, despite the defense making it close for the uh, Jets. Lions still pulled it off, and uh, they win on a uh, late field goal to take it over. So very interesting topics, two very interesting teams. Let's just talk about the Jets right now. I don't know if this Jets team is making the playoffs with – Clearly, Zach Wilson, especially Zach Wilson, is going to be starting. And uh, Mike um, White still having issues with his ribs. Yeah, the Jets are are on a real disaster. And I don't know if uh, you would say people are on the hot seat out, out of this. But, damn, Joe Douglas picked everything right except the quarterback, clearly. And I think that's a fair assessment after 15 weeks in this season. Yeah. I um, think it's it, – yeah, sorry, you can go, bro. Yeah, I think it's very hard to pick a quarterback. You know, we all see that. But um, I think you know, I don't think they make the playoffs because I think it's too hard of a schedule. They're they're, they're probably going to go zero and three in the last three right now. Um, and it's a shame though because, in my opinion, if you don't make the playoffs, I hope you lose every game of the season because you know draft picks. They're going to be in the middle of the pack. You know, this team would I would love to see this team get a top ten pick to get like a high end safety or another defensive guy. Um, but you know, Zach Wilson's not it. It's a shame that Mike White couldn't play this game. Cause I think with Mike White, they probably would have had more composure at that quarterback position and would have won this game. That being said, um, Detroit lions are running away right now with the seven seed wildcard position. In my opinion, they're not in it yet, but they are on such a climb right now. And, uh, I'm happy for Jared Goff. And this team is an island of misfit toys, this Detroit Lions team. A bunch of guys that got thrown away by their franchises and really making a name for themselves. So uh, good for them. That really, that, really, that really explains who Jared Goff is That with that uh, theory. And one thing I also have to say here, the Jets' defense, though kept it close, they really choked at the last, in the last quarter, letting a uh, 51-yard uh, pass from Brock Wright go to the end zone. And um, it was a mess, a real mess. And, I mean, the Jets look like an island of misfit toys right now with how they looked so good at one point, and now they just look like individuals out there. Uh, I'm blaming Zach. I mean, I I think we all message each other that it's like this is just crazy because Zach, maybe okay, maybe he'll look a little bit better, but we all were like at the same time, like this team needs Mike White. 
because it didn't look mm-hmm. any better. And I think Mike White would have done better against this team. Zach White, or Zach Wilson, sorry, sat for like, you know, those few games. And he's still missing short screen pass throws. I don't know what it is with him, but he's a number two overall pick with the arm strength. And there was a pass to Berrios near the sideline where he made the man miss if he caught it. But the problem was Wilson spiked it five yards in front of him. And I was just like, what is it with his quick strikes or, or throws? He's just not the court. He's not the guy. I, I, and it's disappointing. I think all of us saw the talent that he had. And then coming, I don't know if it's the yips. I don't know what it is. But just watching him, like, he makes the occasional throw. But then the the, the simple passes he doesn't make. And I think his team does miss much. I think they play a whole lot different. I think their confidence is, is better. I think they trust him more. Um, and you can only rely on the defense so much. This is a top five defense in the league, as young as they are. And they got gassed, and the Lions took advantage and got that 51-yard touchdown to pretty much win the game. Um, and now we're seeing the Jets in serious trouble. I think they have like a 13% chance to make the postseason right now. They're, a couple of weeks ago, they were really high. I think they have to win out to pretty much secure a spot. And with Wilson, I don't see that. Um, it's definitely a disappointment. Um and I'm interested to see what, what these Jets do in these next few weeks um, because the, the season started off so high and now everyone's seeing that Wilson isn't the guy. And what does his team do now? Because this is now, over the last 10 years, two quarterbacks that they spent really, really high draft picks not panning out. And like Brian said, now they're in trouble because they're going to have a middle-of-the-pack draft pick and who knows what they're they're going to do because, you know, they're not going to be in position to get one of these top young guys to maybe try it again. It's weird to me that I think some organizations fall in love with these quarterbacks who obviously play no good competition when they're in college. Does anyone remember BYU being a great team over the last like five years at all while he was exactly right. But like, you knew that like Justin Herbert was playing great at Oregon. You knew that, you know, like um, Patrick Mahomes was playing great at Texas tech. Like, you know, some of these like great quarterbacks playing against, you know, like great competition when they're in college, Zach Wilson didn't look like a great quarterback coming out of college. You throw him into the New York jets and you were expecting what exactly? I mean, it was a bad pick. He can't read defenses out there. You watch him try to go through progressions. He can't do it. He locks onto one guy, maybe throws that guy if he can. He's terrible in the pocket. They tried mitigating that by rolling him out of the pocket a lot this game. That was when he was doing his best. But he's he's just not a, he's not a good quarterback. He needs to go. I mean, it's either Mike White or get a different quarterback. Zach Wilson is well, a bust in this league. I'm, well, I feel pretty confident saying that. Yeah, but I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the Lions really quickly here because one yeah. hell of a turnaround. We talked about how they've been six and one in their last seven games. Yes. Prior to that, their first seven games, they were like negative five in turnover differential. Now they're plus nine. They were giving up 32 points per game. Now they're giving up 19 points per game. Quarter and Jared Goff's QBR went up from 55 to 71. So, I mean, one hell of a turnaround. And I think they will be the seventh seed when this week is over. I see the commanders and um, who's the other team right next to them. The commanders and the Seahawks both losing this week to the 49ers and the chiefs. And I feel as though the lions will beat the Panthers. Lions are going to the playoffs guys. So 
the only thing I want to push back with Desmond is that we've seen a lot of uh, tremendous quarterbacks come out of small schools that don't play necessarily the best competition. So I don't think it's, it's simply is simple enough to say that like he didn't see a lot of good uh, competition. I think it's more probably about his low point release being a smaller quarterback, maybe reading the defenses is definitely a valid point. Um, I think, like you said, I think this was actually more telling about how tremendous the uh, Detroit was. I thought they kept a clean game and a clean pocket for Jared Goff. He looked very comfortable against a, a tremendous defense for the Jets. Um, they didn't give up a single sack and they had no turnovers. And I thought that, you know, and, and, and I do think that a lot of what's going on with the Jets right now and, and an inability to course correct, it has to do a lot with not being able to run the ball, having Brees Hall hurt, being a one-dimensional offense makes them very predictable as soon as they take the field. And Robert Sala is just, he's not the guy to be running an offense. He's a defensive-minded guy. This is kind of what happens when you see offenses stall like this. And the only thing I will say finally about Zach Wilson is I wouldn't like to keep him around in, in the locker room because um, that's more chance that we get to see Zach Wilson's mom on TV and she's hot as fuck. Oh, so, well, One last thing for me because it just clicked into my mind. <laughs> You know what Zach Wilson's comparison is in terms of like talent? He's the Darko Milicic of the NFL. <laughs> oh wow! Because if you look yeah. at that story, right? The Darko Milicic, Harry Potter. All it took was one workout for the guy to be so enamored to take him over all the future Hall of Fame talent that was on that list. And I think all of us fell for that Zach Wilson trap when we saw him in his pro day slinging the ball deep, and we were just like, "Yeah, this guy's going to be great." I think that had one viral video. That's it. I think that has to bring up the conversation. You know, we look in the history of the NFL and we see these cerebral quarterbacks who have a real good um, intelligence in college of understanding the game of football. And then with the the opposite of the guys that are just off straight athleticism and ability and talent. Like we, there's a reason why guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tony Romo, Carson Palmer, Kirk Cousins, these guys that are, you know, average athletes, you know, they could look like the, your supermarket clerk, Kurt, one of these kind of guys, you know, they make it for over a decade. Like, even like, well, if I, if I think of football, if I didn't know who Eli and Payne and Manning were, I would not think that they are, you know, Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They look like they're going to sell me a car. But then, like, you have guys that have this raw arm talent and, pure athleticism um, at the quarterback position and, you know, this cannon of an arm and could scramble and, you know, just has all these abilities. But where is it up here? And where is the connect? Because I could do all of this, but if there's no connect here, this is where the issue is. So I always talk about that wonderlick test. I want to know what Zach Wilson's wonderlick test was. That's a, that's a, I'm very interested in that because if this man was – a high intelligence kind of guy and this athletic ability, athletic ability. Yeah. He definitely has the yips, but if not, then like maybe he just doesn't have it all up there together to really put together his athleticism to be able to transfer it to the next level where, you know, you can't just rely on athleticism and good luck and, you know, lucky plays. No, you well, can't. The Jets are not. Jets are not an organization with really sound infrastructure. I think they finally started getting things right the past two years of the draft. And I think that, you know, relying so much on the quarterback is not, um, you know, when you get it wrong is the wrong way to look at it. I think maybe having the inverse approach and then letting, you know, the quarterback kind of just be the final piece, the icing on the cake, which means staying out of your way. And like you said, reading defenses appropriately, but it's hard to do that when you have a defensive minded coach as well running the show. 
And you, oh, and you don't forget his uh, poor clock management in this game too, yep. especially in the last two minutes. Yeah, I need Absolutely. to see. I need to see Zach's mom though at least one more time before the season's over. <laughs> no, I just I'll... looked it up. Uh, Zach Wilson's Wonderlick test was never released due yep. to COVID nineteen yeah. restrictions. I, I but, just he, saw that but, but he took it. I, I, but he took it though. So taking an exam and so, could somehow by putting it on the computer spread virus. That's an interesting okay. thing right there. That's called he got. That's called he got a negative score. <laughs> well, let's go backwards and talk about Thursday night's 49ers versus Seahawks game with Brock Purdy playing nice and smooth and keeping his 49ers winning streak alive. He is undefeated so far as a starter. And we saw the Seahawks, you know, keeping it close, as close as it could be, but falling short again. And do we feel that the Seahawks are going to fall short? They are at 7-7 seven and seven right now. They have some very, very important games coming up. But um, especially with what's crowded with the Washington team, the Detroit Lions and them and the Giants all fighting for those final wildcard spots. Do we feel that the Seahawks might be in trouble because they have not been playing good football as of late? They were able to compete against the 49ers, but it wasn't good enough at home. Seahawks chances of making the playoffs are are pretty bleak at this point, especially with having to go and face Kansas City this week. I mean, I think that's I think you just chalked that one up as an L. So I mean that you have to win your final two games and then hope that the Giants lose a couple or hope that the Lions trip up, hope that the commanders trip up. I mean, I I'm gonna keep this one quick. I think the Seahawks chances of um winning are very, very slim at this point. Too many mistakes down the road and their defense completely let them down. Yeah, I'm going to agree with with Desmond, too, Uh, just going with that, because I think their defense was playing well early on this year, and they were keeping them in games, and Gino was doing great. But now we've seen the complete reversal, and I know they've got banged up on defense and stuff like that, too. Um, But I don't have confidence that this team could could win out or get whatever in position right now. Um, This this would be a huge win if they can beat Kansas City. I don't see them beating Kansas City just the way their defense is playing as of late. Uh, So I, I really think unless they win this weekend, I think their season's pretty much done. What about Gino, comeback player of the year, Desmond? We all love Gino. Hey, you know what? Your offense, <laughs> I mean, you can only do so much with one unit. You know, ask the Cowboys about that. Yeah, so, no, I, mean, I agree. Like, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's a full team effort. And the 49ers, I mean, they have maybe the best defensive line that I've seen in a decade. I mean, mm-hmm. it reminds me of that like Giants, like NASCAR package that they had um, mm. a while back. But I mean, it's terrifying. I mean, that's like the one unit on any team that scares me the most going forward in the, in the playoffs. I mean, that 49ers defensive line is insane. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. sticking with the uh, 49ers as well. Brock Purdy. He's really showing a record in in two and a half games. This guy can uh, really, really keep you comfortable if you're a 49ers fan. Oh, absolutely. He's the starting quarterback next season. If he wins out, if he wins out right now, there's no doubt in my mind he's the starting quarterback by next season. You trade Trey Trey Lance to the New York Jets, get a little pick because they're desperate. Uh, Jimmy G is going to go back to the Patriots. And then you got yourself Brock Purdy, a perfect game manager. 
And you know what? No one, no one, Kyle Shanahan will probably draft another quarterback in like the second or third round because he doesn't need anyone on defense or offense. All their picks are house money uh, supplements now. It's like taking a little, it's like taking an emergency when you know it's flu season. That's what those draft picks are to them now because this team's perfect. This team is perfect. You know, you're laughing, but it's the truth. Everyone's under contract. They paid everyone. I don't even know. Chalk, whoever they're accounted is, God bless, man. They should work for the IRS because, like, this is something crazy here. But, uh, yeah, this team is this team is my Super Bowl favorite right now. I'm not going to lie. I think no one can beat this defense, and I think this offense is humming. Um, barring any injury to CMC, I think this team is going to the Super Bowl and winning it all. You know, one point of note, though, for this 49ers offense, did see a few points of vulnerability in that Thursday night game, though. It, it felt as though they had quite a few times where they were struggling on offense. Seattle's meager defense was holding them in check quite a few times. So I don't know that they're as unstoppable on offense as they feel on defense. So I, I think there's a little bit of vulnerability with this 49ers team, especially with Debo Samuel being out right now. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely not as explosive without Debo back healthy, but I think a lot of this is chalked up um, uh, to a little bit of stagnation with a short week. You got a bitter, you know, you got a bitter rival on the road, and I think that is kind of demonstrably proven out with the high penalties, like 15 for 140 yards combined with both teams is definitely kind of a recipe for an ugly kind of game. But I think that, you know, the offense can only improve from here. I think that probably – Purdy has a lot of, uh, um, you know, a lot of learning to do. And as long as he stays out of his own way, I think that they're destined to meet Philly in the NFC Championship. Yeah, they're, they're just – they can plug anyone at quarterback right now. Then they can win. It's just They're just so deep. They have so much talent. Hell, even Zach Wilson could probably win on this team. I mean, they're <laughs> using Mr. Oh my God. winning games. All right? It's, it's, it is what it is, but – that's what great teams do, right? They, they, someone goes down next man up. They have a system in place to make sure they keep on humming. And that's what the 49ers are doing. I think they are a scary team um, with the offensive five hour, but their defense is incredible. Um, I think, I think they're so good. What are you going to say? Alex? Oh, just last thing. I'm feeling better week by week about my uh, uh, MVP pick with Nick Bosa, 15 and a half sacks. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, <laughs> team just top to bottom. So good. And, I like the story of Purdy. I mean, it's it's all great to see. I think someone did a list of like the quarterbacks that are in the hunt for the playoffs in the NFC, and it's kind of. I mean, for Giants fans, it's uh, Daniel Jones is the high pick, but like everyone else was like second round or later or undrafted or whatever the case might be. It's like wild to see that. But like I said, 49ers are deep. They have a great coach. They have a great system. They're going to keep on rolling. Like I said, they can have anyone a quarterback, but it's awesome to see Mister Irrelevant you know, do the things that he's doing right now with this team. And once they get Debo back, they're going to hit a whole other level. And that's even scarier to think because this Fortnite team is already so good. I don't even think that they're game managing, though. I think he's making crucial throws at crucial times. Like his pocket awareness and his complete completion percentages off the charts in college and now in the, in the NFL as well. Like he, in my opinion, he has a more complete mind than half the start, half of maybe like the, the last like three quarterback drafts, in my opinion, just on development because at Iowa state, they really have cerebral quarterback play. And this kid just shows it. He just understands the game. And with Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan, a guru like that, that's the kind of player he needs. And I, I think and another thing before we move on, Greg Kittle, when he's healthy, he's really something special out there. 
And um, I know he's literally been on and off with his career, but what he's on, he's really on. And watch out for him, especially deep in the playoffs. The Titans and the Chargers. How about the Chargers trying to change our minds? They, they win again. They uh, are making a real push to stay in the playoff circle. I think at least you keep the head coach gets to keep his job. Justin Herbert seems like he is a okay, but for somebody who didn't score a touchdown, he was able to lead his team to a comeback. And the Titans, man, they're just dead men walking. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And, um, you know, when Derrick Henry is your leading receiver and rushing and receiving, um, man, if they only didn't trade AJ Brown, what could have been, but the chargers really make it a push. Watch out for that team. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. They have all the weapons um, on offense. We know that's not really the problem. It's more like play calling and they're just the defense is not living up to expectations, but the defense showed up today and, you know, they won a close game. Kudos to Justin Herbert just being an absolute dog on this team. And, you know, he had a bad day with two interceptions and he still willed the team in that last drive. So good job not losing confidence. Uh, when it comes to the Titans, um, I think they have to start Malik Willis going forward. Um, he might not be the best passer, but he just gives another dimensional option for them with being able to for mobility and running outside the pocket because Ryan Tannehill is accurate, but he's just not cutting it, in my opinion, with mobility in the pocket and just awareness. And I don't see this team going anywhere right now. So I know you're in a playoff hunt, but based on schedule right now, it's not looking good for them just playing the Cowboys and Jaguars the last two games, which in my opinion will be two losses as well. And the Texans always play well, but they just lose close games as we've seen. So I think you need to put the rookie in and just change it up a little bit. Maybe it'll add a little spark. You know, I think um, the Chargers aren't going to lose another game this season. I look at the schedule. Colts, Rams, Broncos. Are any of those losses? I don't think so. I think Chargers are going to pull vault up to the five seed before this is all said and done and possibly either going to Tennessee or probably Jacksonville for that first round matchup. And Justin Herbert looks legit. I mean, you put a real team around this guy and he's going to be a top three quarterback for the next decade. Like I, I can't get over how impressed I am with him. Just like just everything mechanics, every kind of throw that he can make his intelligence on the field, just everything. Justin Herbert is completely legit. I just think, you know, when they finally put a good coach behind him, give him better weapons who will actually stay on the field. This was the first time they actually had like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on the field together. I think since what, like week two. So, I mean, obviously the proof was in like the production there. Yeah. I'm high on the charger and I think they could be a dangerous kind of like wild card going into the playoffs. I think you're correct. Like I think if they in stride, they they get healthy and they continue to get hot at these last three games because they're all easily winnable games. Um, I think that they could do just that. And I think, I mean, I've never had to be sold on Herbert. The only reason I hated him was because he's in my division. But other than that, um, I'm I'm so high on him, and I'm just happy to see him get his receivers back and hopefully start plugging up the holes in that offensive line because I think that's the only reason this game was even as close as it was. I think Tennessee is kind of a lost cause right now um, heading into the playoffs, and I think that wherever the Chargers do fall in terms of the hierarchy, um, they're going to give you know any team they match up with a first-round scare. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with everything uh, you guys said. It's kind of weird, at least for me, to see how much the Titans are spiraling down. Um, but again, it's because they're so unventional. But I'm also incredibly high on Justin Herbert. I always have been. I always I wish he left Oregon the year early so the Giants drafted him. 
he decided to stay, and then he became a charger. Um, but that's the side point. I think he is just so good, has all the intangibles. He made a hell of a throw away in that game. Um, I think all of us saw that. And we're just enamored with what he can do on the field. And um, I think he can lead his team in the right direction. But like you know, you guys said, it, they have to build around him. They have to build around him now. Um, and I think we thought that was going to be the case this season. It's been a letdown. But they can't do, like, let's side a bunch of old guys and hope everything works because lately in all sports that hasn't been the case. Um, so I think if they get some more young talent around Herbert so they can all grow with him, I think this team could be really, really solid going forward. And like Desmond said, if they keep on winning and they sneak in uh, into the postseason, I think they're a really, really dangerous team to look out for if they're going into the, the postseason with momentum. The Chiefs and the Texans, right? Now, again, I know it's a I know it's a broken record about the Chiefs not covering, but it happens again. Only this time, they almost straight up lost to this Texas team who put up a fight at the end. And if it wasn't for a, just a downright silly turnover in overtime, um, I won't say the Texans would win it, but um, – you know, anything else could happen. You don't want to see a game end in such a silly way like it was. But it was a very interesting game, and they pushed through and gave the Texans a scare. I'm sorry, gave the Chiefs a scare. But um, the Texans really uh, really showing some heart out there. Chiefs still winning. A win's a win. And um, they're just doing what they have to do to secure a first-round bye and get that home field advantage. But pr- shouts to them winning their seventh division title in a row. Yeah, uh, quick take here. I don't want to take too much time on this game. Um, Lovey Smith's probably going to get fired at the end of the season, which I think is going to be a shame because while the Texans are 1-12-1, they've never quit like in any of these games. They have been in all of these games, no matter who they were playing every single week, playing the Cowboys, playing the Eagles, playing the Chiefs, play anybody, line them up. They're going to try to win that game. So, um they're drafted number one overall, but I hope that they keep their coach. I agree with you, We're all in agreement on that one. Yeah, so um, shame on the Texans if they fire him, but give the man a chance and love you, Smith. He's been to the Super Bowl. So next up, before we just give – just make fun of the NFC South – um, literally, that's what the last segment is dedicated towards. But we had the Cardinals and Broncos. Broncos win. Broncos win. It wasn't Russell Wilson who led them to victory. But, um, you know, all we could say is the Broncos beat the Colts. We know the Colts issues. I mean, without DeAndre Hopkins, it's almost like replacement players out there. But um, whatever. Say with the Broncos. Good job, guys. Uh, Jerry Judy, I hope um, doesn't hurt any more refs. That's all we really have to say on that one. Um, we had the Panthers and the Vikings. Sorry, Panthers, Vikings. Panthers and the Steelers. We'll start with the NFC South. Man, Carolina had so much momentum coming into this, and when he they witnessed three of the teams in that division lose games, the one team you wanted to win in that division actually won to keep it close, but now um. It will continue this messy division that it is. And um, too bad for the Panthers not taking advantage of momentum and uh, Mitch Trubisky leading the Steelers to a victory. Man, Carolina, do we see them making up a lost ground? I don't think so, especially when your lead rusher only has 10 yards in the carry. And this is 
a Steelers team that is not as difficult as what is to come for them. But um, silly, absolutely silly that the Panthers lost this game. Yeah, it's a shame because, you know, they were on the upswing. But, you know, kudos to the Steelers' defense. You know, they're always going to show up every game just based on lineage of that franchise. And uh, having T.J. Watt back really helps. So, you know, once you stuff that run, it becomes very one-dimensional for them. And outside of D.J. Moore, you really don't have that many, like, threats. If you count LaVisca Chenault, maybe, in the passing game for the Carolina. So, you know, Sam Darnold did as best he can. He hasn't thrown an interception this season, though, so good for him. You know, 3-0 showing some promise. And Mitch Trubisky, you know, I don't want to see him on my screen. I don't want to see him in the reports. Uh, where I need, I thank God, Pickett's back because, you know, you never know. The Steelers might have the have the ability to pull off uh, pull off some magic right now and win the next three straight and go above 500 to save uh, Mike Tomlin's streak. That'd be something else. Wouldn't surprise me. I uh, I think I said last week that whatever you think is going to happen in the NFC South, just pick the opposite. Uh, no one wants to win this division. I think that's going to continue. I You can't predict what's going to happen. Really can't. But the Panthers could find a way to win this division still, which is scary. Um, being with their what? What? Five and eight right now? Five and nine? Yeah, five and nine. Ridiculous. Three, five, and nine teams. And uh, one, six, and eight teams in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So why don't we go to the two teams that battled it out that led to them having identical records after the fact. With the Falcons and the Saints, Falcons start the rookie quarterback. It wasn't exactly Brock Purdy or Mike White's debut. Um, Andy Dalton is the one to lead the Saints back to victory. Um, Atlanta made a push at the end, but it wasn't good enough for Desmond Riddler. But, um, yeah, the Falcons, the Falcons and the Saints now can make a push as well. So uh, what do you get out of this game? I just got thought it was silly. I thought it was throwing Desmond Ritter to the fire. He got sacked four times, didn't even crack 100 yards passing. Uh, it was a tough It was a tough outing. I thought Kamara had a great game on the ground, you know, kind of controlling the offense, uh, almost cracked 100 yards. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, what Desmond said is wide open. No one wants to win it. So let's just see what happens. I think for Atlanta, they found their running back of the future in Tyler Algier, and I expect them to shop um, if he's not a free agent, Cordero Patterson to a contender because they do not need him on this team anymore because a gadget touchdown on a kick return doesn't really help this team. They're awful. Um, And I really hope they build around uh, that running back and hopefully Riddler progresses for the rest of the season. Yeah, I I don't don't much really to say about this. This was kind of an awesome game. Uh, And yeah, uh, just... Desmond looked a little lost, but again, hopefully he learns. Um, that's why they're putting him in now to see what he has. Uh, and, and yeah, I think the Falcons just kind of gave up on the season, and we'll see what the Saints do. But yeah, I really that much this game was kind of a, a pass for me. Yeah, this game was super ugly. I mean, Todd McShay is already projecting that the Falcons are going to take another quarterback in the first round. And I hope that the Saints keep losing because we have their number one pick. So let's tank, Saints. Mm-hmm. So let's transfer it over to at least the most interesting team in this division for various reasons. We have the Bengals and the Buccaneers. The Bengals going into the second half were up 17 to 3. Things were feeling good. Maybe they'll get this home upset. Nope. Joe Burrow stays Joe Burrow. He's a cool cat. 
And with four touchdowns in the second half alone, he leads the Bengals to a 34 to 23 victory. And, you know, we've heard now reports, whether true or not, that Tom Brady is considering retirement after this season. What do you think? You're Tom Brady. Do you hang it up? You lose your wife. You lose your family. You lose a little luster in your legacy career. And then you hang it up. That would be a tough way to go out. I feel like at least if he's mobile enough and, you know, this guy still at least, you know, has a solid amount of passing yards. Yeah. He has some touchdowns in there. I think he's at least enough and learn the right. If he wanted to give it at least one more shot and whether that's in a Bucks uniform, a Dolphins uniform or Raiders 49ers. Um, I think if you're Tom Brady, obviously focus on the rest of this season, but especially with these rumors coming out, if I were him, I would say, fuck it, might as well get, might as well play one more year. But again, I'm not him, so I don't know. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I think one more year is in the table for him. If I'm him, I don't know why I'm not calling the New York Jets and saying, let's let's sign it up and go for a go. Imagine Tom Brady, That'd be big, me, big media spot with the New York Jets, if they were able to get some offensive linemen in there to help him out with those weapons and that defense. Like, in my opinion, that would be the number one destination outside the 49ers for him. Uh, just if they were able to get a couple more O-linemen. But what I really comes down to this game is just like stupidity on Todd Bowles. Like, why the hell is Giovanni Bernard getting one carry when he hasn't had it the entire season and he fumbles on the one carry? On the one carry? <laughs> like, dumb. Also, I know you have Leonard Fournette, but Leonard Fournette is a scrub now. Rashad White, when he was out, was playing stellar. The offense through Rashad White was doing so much better. They were getting wins. And now he Fournette is demanding you know, that offense to go through him because of the contract and everything, which I get he's healthy, but I think for them to be successful and win this division, they need to, you know, be a little bit more uh, balanced and run the ball through Rashad White. I think that is their best option right now. Um, oh, do you want to go, Desmond? So two things here. I think the only reason that Brady's still staying in the league and you know maybe I I'm, I'm not I'm wrong about this, but I think he's just trying to like think about his like business as far as like TB12 is concerned. I think that that's a really big sticking point for him because he has nothing left to prove. Let's be honest, he's won seven Super Bowls. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. He has nothing to prove. I think that this is all about him trying to find a way to continue to market his brand. Like look at this 45 year old quarterback dominating in this league. So if he's able to find a team next year who will take him, that's a good position. He might stay for another year, but if he doesn't, he already has a 10 year, $375 million deal lined up with Fox the moment he retires. So, I mean, Let's just let's just be honest about it. Like he has no reason to stay other than trying to also corner the market in the fitness world with TV 12. So your guess is as good as mine as far as whether he retires after this year or not. But I think it depends on who offers him a job after this season's over. Well, he has 88,000 passing yards. He might be saying to himself, I, I average 4,000 passing yards a season. Three more seasons gets me to 100K and I'll be the goat in any sport even more. So, like, knowing him, he might just be like that and, like, I want a round number. I'll hit a 1,000 and retire at the next play. So, yeah. uh, we'll see. I think the the only way – I mean, if I'm looking at it from a financial perspective, you know, from a business perspective, I would rule out California immediately because it's tax hell and it's a shithole. I would probably stay in Florida. I mean, as best guess, whether that means Miami or Tampa. But 
And then the same thing goes with New York, kind of similar to California. So it, it, I'm not really sure, you know, mobility wise, where he would prefer to go to run a business and continue that secondary of his um, second half of his career, you know, beyond just the football aspect. But I kind of wanted to switch the conversation a little closer to Cincinnati because I've been kind of riding the second half of the bandwagon with this team. I still think they're the best team in the AFC, um, even better than Kansas City. Um, or Buffalo um, and anybody who else, anybody else we want to throw in there. But I just thought that the way they came back in this game, facing adversity on the road, um, even if it is Tampa, you know, just, you know, forcing them into four turnovers, you know, keeping them on third down, four uh, four of 12 on third down. um, I just thought that Burrow played an exceptional game. He led the comeback. And I thought that uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the coach's name. Uh, Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor um, had a really phenomenal game plan coming out of that second half, making adjustments, which is really what championship teams do. So, uh, just to go back to Brady for a second, though, he also handed the Bengals the win. I, I like the Bengals. I love them. I think they're really, really good. Alex, I'm great with your your points. They also had like four turnovers and just looked real bad, uh, which is why I don't really have paid the Bucks even in the, in the playoffs. Um, I really think just real quick with Brady. Uh, I think the reason why kind of why he came back in the first place was he didn't he wasn't able to control the narrative of his retirement. Uh, I think the way he wanted it, you know, kind of got leaked a little. Then he kind of said it, and then he kind of realized like I do have something left in the tank, and I, I kind of want to go out and play. And I can see him now. I think it's really a fifty-fifty shot, but I could see him saying, you know, like all right, I can control my narrative, like I can walk out on my own terms. Whereas before, it kind of felt like he was just like forced to be like, yeah, I'm actually retiring. Because everyone's like, oh, he's going to do it. 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 And uh, I think he was just trying to find a way that he could control his own narrative on how he wants to end his career. He doesn't have to worry about his TV 12 brand. Everyone knows he's the GOAT. I know, Desmond, you had your points. I don't think he's worried about that. He's 40-something years old playing in the NFL. Pretty good for that brand marketing right there. And he also, like you said, you have that super massive Fox deal. So he's set whenever he calls it a career. I think he just wanted to control his narrative. And I think that's where everyone doesn't know is what is his narrative next? Oh, do I go back home to California and try to get a title before an army? Do I stay in Tampa and try to prove at my age, I can get a, a team revitalized and go back. Or he's just like, yeah, you know what? I tried. It didn't go well, but you know what? I still had a great season. I want to end on here before I really fall off the cliff. So I think we really have no idea what happens in the mind of Tom Brady, which is why we're all guessing on what he's really going to do next. He really is Here's- the undertaker. Absolutely. Here's my final my final comments. What's the over under you think on Jerry Jones making a phone call in free agency to Tom Brady? I mean, do you think he'd answer? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I think I think Jerry makes a call. I think I think Jerry Jones is that much of an idiot to, you know, just feel it feel it out. He did it he supposedly he did it when he became a free agent the first time. So you're saying he already said no once. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind a 46-year-old quarterback right now. Man, he wants to go out. Those cinematic masters for him. He has to win it for real, for real. But we'll see where it goes there. Ravens played the Browns. Ravens only scored three points. J.K. Dobbins had a hell of a game, and that's really it. But, you know, for a defense that we criticize a lot, um, they they prevented the Browns from only – they um, ah, excuse me. They only allowed 13 points against the Browns' offense with um, them still trying to figure out what Deshaun Watson is. 
with this running back committee. But damn, they really miss Lamar Jackson. They are nine and five, weirdly. Still have a chance to make the playoffs, but at least, you know, we'll see what happens, especially if J.K. Dobbins is resuming what he was at the beginning of the season because he's been very productive. And if Lamar plays like first half Lamar, then maybe we're talking somewhere. And if only this defense can continue to prevent other offenses from scoring and not having a game where they blow it at the end, then maybe the Ra- the Ravens can be a sleeper team. But I could also see everything I say go to shit as well, and uh, they lose in a blaze of glory as well. Uh, I, I think Lamar is just seeing the dollar signs go up, uh, the money go up with every game he's missing. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Because you thought for a little, like, Huntley when he was playing when he was hurt before, like he, he was a service quarterback. Now it's completely different. Uh, and it's showing more that – how much value Lamar has on this team. And it's not just because, you know, he's run the ball, he can pass the ball, he can do a little bit of everything. And I think with Huntley, you can think that, but he's not as great as Lamar is. So, you know, I think the Ravens just are, are trying to hang on for dear life until Lamar comes back. I, I think they kind of are, are playing the weight game just to make sure Lamar is a thousand percent because they're probably going to have him run a lot. Um, they don't want him to get hurt right away. Um, but like I said, this contract that he's going to get, uh, you can just see from these last few weeks that this team misses him uh, and they really need him because he's a dynamic quarterback uh, and they can't easily replace him. And uh, yeah, I think the Ravens are going to have to throw this guy a lot of money um, and he's just waiting for his moment to come back. And I think that's where our, our attention is, is, how this team looks when he is back because they, they have a solid balanced team and I think they're going to be a decent team come postseason time, but they really need him back right now. They just lock it up real quick. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, in regards to the Browns, I really hope there's some type of condition in the contract to avoid Deshaun Watson's contract because this is not looking like it's it. Like if I'm Venom, I might even be thinking about like picking a developmental quarterback in like the second or third round just to put behind him because he looks old. Like is it? It's something about taking one year off in the NFL. We've seen it, Lev Bell. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen players just take that one year off, and they look and not because of in, you know injury or holding out. Just like they just don't look the same, and he does not look the same anymore. He looks rusty, and you know you'd think he would. He probably practiced during his suspension by himself, and even the few games he's played this season, but he's just not. He does not look like his old self on Houston Texans. It looks like he doesn't have a drive. Um, and I don't know what it, – it's a shame because this Browns team has such potential. And I don't know. I, this season's definitely over for them, but I just don't see the future with Deshaun Watson right now. I don't think the season's over for them. I think the Browns can still make the playoffs. They have three easy <laughs> – ga- they have three winnable games coming up. And the AFC's, like, last two spots, I think – you know, just with the level of competition amongst all of them, there is a way for the Browns to get into the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's quite over for them, but this was an ugly game. Definitely the least interesting one of the uh, Saturday games, and I'm uh, glad to keep my take short on this one. Yeah, I'm glad I get to go last. So I don't have to have the take at all. Um, this uh, this game was virtually unwatchable. I had it on mute while the uh, UConn Huskies were on. So, um, yeah, I just think that – <laughs> um, 
I just think that Baltimore, it's starting to kind of slip through their hands. And like, you know, and like you guys said earlier, I think that this is just proving more worthwhile um, Lamar's worth week after week, even if the team as a whole on the net positive don't have the same impact as a winning football team. All right. Now let's finish it off with Monday night's game. Maybe it was like the equivalent of watching the Harlem Globetrotters out there, more of an attraction. <laughs> the Packers returned from a bye and they went on and they went at home 24 to 12. Aaron Rodgers at one point looked really bad. I mean, that first pick where he just straight up missed a uh, Lazard. I mean, like straight up miss him, and it winds up in the defensive back hand for the Rams. And but besides that, but after that, he just snapped out of it. The running, the running back by committee was running in there hard until AJ Dillon gets hurt. But uh, Aaron Jones picks up the slack. We know Packer fans are trying to figure out how they can slip in the playoffs with this. But uh, we already talked about um, the NFC the NFC final wildcard spot is too crowded and they can't make it. So as we can say, Baker Mayfield is back to normal sucking. Do we, um, do we touch on the, um, Oh, you guys want to talk about this game first? I was, I was about to say, say that. I was like, we should just dump this game and talk about yeah. Miami Buffalo. I was going to say Miami we skipped Buffalo, that one. Yeah. yeah. This game was a snooze fit. Packers aren't making the playoffs guys. If any Packers fans are out there, Pack it in. Like, it's it's done. You got the yeah. Dolphins, Vikings, Lions left up on your schedule. You're not running the table. Yeah, no. no. It's a done deal. Here's my one question. With his regression and his age, is Aaron Rodgers even, like, a tradable asset at this point? Someone will with take that, him. With, yeah, with that contract? With the, even with that contract, you think? Do you think the Jets would say no to him? Because I don't. I don't know what say no. It's a lot of money, though. It's a it's lot the, of money. We're talking about the Jets. I think especially if you have that. Jets have their shit together. I don't know. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> it's true. Really they would money, definitely get him. Like it's only a few seasons. So true, bad, true. You get out. It's not like a. He's got to take the Brett Favre path, okay? You leave Green Bay, you go to the Jets. Oh, That's and then you, you go do. to the Vikings. All right. It makes sense. But then on, and my last comment on this game is Baker Mayfield didn't actually like played well ish. If you really think about it, he has no receivers. His best receiver got hurt. Cam Akers played well. Like, he did make plays. I think they need to keep him next season as a backup and let him develop. I think, you know, this is his seventh head coach in like four years. Like, it's not <laughs> fair. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, I think this man might have more of a raw deal than, uh, than uh, what's it called? Than Sam Darnold. He had Freddie Kitchens and Greg Williams as his coach at one point. And with Hugh Jackson. With the injuries that Stafford is stacking up, you have to have a good backup on your team. So I'd see no reason to get rid of him. Is anybody putting out a missing persons report for Josh Rosen yet? Or <laughs> nah, he's out of the league. He's out of the league. Yeah, he's just straight up gone. We'll see him in the Poor XFL. Kid. Yeah. Poor kid. Nah, I heard XFL's he hiring. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's finish it off in the frozen rotunda. Up in a snowy orchard park. The Bills beat the Dolphins 32 to 29, a game that went back and forth. Lots and lots of gridiron, hard-nosed football in this game. And um, even in the crazy wintry conditions, both T offenses showed up. But the Bills hold on. They clinch another playoff berth. And um, shouts to them after getting a last-second field goal to win it all. Now, 
actually want to focus on the Dolphins first, and then we'll talk about the Bills here. The Dolphins, they've lost their third straight. Record they're playing all great teams, and they have competed in them. I think now you're at a point where it's really concerning if you're Miami not being able to close on these teams that you really need to close if you want to make a deep run. What do we think about the Dolphins' performance in this and what they could do moving forward? You know, I they was... really pl- they really played well. I think it comes down to the defense. The defense is just giving up all these points. You know, they are not yeah. their best unit. I think they're ranked in the lower 20s to mid-20s in defense um, for passing. Almost um, is shocking because Xavier Howard and Byron Jones are known to be very good coverage in man corners. So that's a shock to me. But I think that they have the ability to win out this season. But the issue for me is that the Chargers will also win out and they've lost to the Chargers. So they have that tie. They don't have that tiebreaker right there. So I think by that reason, I think they might miss the playoff as the eighth seed. But this team has a ton of potential. Like, have Raheem Mostert having 136 rushing yards. Like this team is dynamic. There's a lot of players on it that could really, you know, this season develop even more in the offseason. So they have potential, but it might be hard for them just because of that Chargers loss a few weeks ago. Yeah, I got a lot of respect for the Dolphins after this game. I thought that they, I mean, everyone was like, can they play against the Bills? You know, can they go up into Buffalo and play in these conditions? They've been getting smacked around by the 49ers and the Chargers. They stood toe to toe with the Bills. I loved that game for them. I think that I think they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't see them making it out of the. I don't see them making a deep run. You know, I think that um, my earlier thoughts about them being one of the top teams in the AFC, their defense isn't good enough to be one of the top teams in the AFC. So I think this will be probably um, second round exit for the Dolphins if they get into the playoffs, but. You know they got to go heavy on defensive draft picks next year because the defense is keeping them keeping them back. I think at this point, I think the Dolphins have a great offense moving forward. Tyreek Hill is the best wide receiver in football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't know what to expect in this game. Um, I, I said we all hoped it was a fun game. Sure enough, it was. I, I didn't know how Tua was going to be with uh, with the conditions there, but he he showed out. Um, they they play well, but yeah, like Desmond said, the defense uh, is holding them back from being a really, really, really strong team going forward. Um, but you know, they proved they can they can battle in week in week out. They played one of the top teams in the AFC. I went down to the wire. Um, you know, uh, it was crazy, uh, crazy game with the snow at the end, and you never know with a kick. We we're like, I was like, oh, is he gonna you know make this or miss? But it was fun, exciting game. Uh, it's just. Uh, Going forward, I think that the Dolphins just need to add a few more pieces and they can be a really, really solid team. Um, I, I kind of agree with everything you guys said. I thought this was like a resilient kind of best case scenario loss for Miami to kind of show their character and their fortitude, particularly in three tough games back to back to back. Um, I don't, you know, I'm kind of concerned they won't make the playoffs. It'll be kind of remain to be seen. Um, uh, down the stretch here, but I like a lot about this team. I just have a couple questions about Tua and adding some, you know, pieces to that secondary to kind of um, uh, kind of shore things up. I, I thought, you know, Mostert had a great bounce back game. I thought it was kind of tailor made for a big ground game for Miami. So I was glad to see him take advantage of that. Um, but uh, Matt, I want you to definitely clip that uh, that little piece there where Desmond said Tyreek is the best receiver in football. I don't hey. know about- off season, off season debates. 
Yes, I agree with that. Not sure about that. Hill is the best receiver in football. <laughs> Off-season okay, debates. Here we come. He's the best. He's the best track star in the NFL. Hey, if you got the, if you're getting the catch, that's all that matters. Yeah. If they can't cover you, Justin Jefferson and Devontae are better. He would prevent a lot of passing yards with Brian's. Um, with Brian's pitch stat, though, that's what I'm saying. Like, think of the advanced stats here. This man is uh, this man's perfect for Kirk Cousins. Imagine him on the Vikings. <laughs> oh, in the next life. But let's get into Week 16, guys. Remember yes. when it used to be the uh, pronunciation? Uh, what's the word? It's pronunciation, right? The second to last. Hmm. Anyways, um. Week 16, it's not the second-to-last game. It's the third-to-last game, and it is huge. Christmas weekend for all those celebrating. Um, it starts on Thursday night. We have the Jets and the Jaguars. Humongous game. Both teams trying to make a push. Both teams trying to get playoff position. This is very important. You have Last year's number one and number two overall picks going at each other. I mean, people were laughing. Oh, they're just going to primetime game. It's going to be Thursday night late in the season. And, yeah, a lot is on the line with this. The Meadowlands is going to be loud. The spread is actually even. Jets versus Jaguars. Who's winning? I think Trevor Lawrence is making some noise at the big East Rutherford. <laughs> yeah, in the big East Rutherford. And, um I say uh, the Jaguars are taking this one on Thursday night and um, Zach Wilson will lose out and he will lose his career in New York. <laughs> I, I agree completely with you, but I don't think it's going to be about Trevor Lawrence. It's going to be about that Jaguars defensive line with the other Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker coming in on these this banged up Jets offensive line all season. I think they smother Wilson and they win by two touchdowns. Yeah, Ooh, I'm, I'm gonna agree. I think Trevor Lawrence is is gonna pick this defense apart. How great this defense has been! Uh, I think Zach's gonna just kill their morale early on. Uh, so I'm gonna go with the Jags here. And like I said, like Brian just said, Trevor Walker is having a great year, and I love people talking about him. First overall pick, he's really really solid, and that defense is playing really really well as of late. Uh, so yeah, I think Jacksonville is just gonna wipe the floor just this week. I have no faith in Wilson. Uh, I got the Jets. I yeah. think that they played the Lions tough and they barely lost that game. I think the Lions are a much superior team to Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville's going to struggle against a great New York Jets defense. I uh, And these Thursday night games, they're never high scoring ever. Yeah. If you're going to have a low scoring yeah. game against a great defense, I like the great defense in that in this scenario. 2017 Jets. I have I have the equal opinion. I think the Jets are going to win um, a big bounce back game. I don't trust warm weather teams going into a cold weather environment, uh, particularly in this situation on a short week. So I got the Jets winning handily too. East Rutherford, it's not the frozen tundra <laughs> <laughs> compared to Jacksonville. It's still it is. cold in December. <laughs> it's still too cold in December. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So now we're talking about Christmas Eve. Saturday, December 24th. Most of the games are played this Saturday. Start with the Giants versus the Vikings. The Giants versus the Vikings. Minnesota opens at minus three and a half. The game is in Minnesota. Pick the Giants on this one. I think that they are going to be successful. 
I think they're going to secure a playoff spot. And I think um, all that momentum for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings will die out this Saturday. I'll agree. Uh, And it's Giants bias here, obviously, with Matt and myself going with the Giants. But uh, same things. Uh, Just last week, seeing how the Vikings started off slow, uh, I think the Giants are come out and hopefully attack early. Uh, I think we need to see a more aggressive offense. I hope, uh, you know, Dable and everyone has them fired up. Uh, This is a crucial game. They're winning. They're in. I hope they don't take this game lightly. Uh, and I think because of that and the way Devils coaches team up, I think he has them in prime position to, uh, up, I want to call it an upset, but beat the Vikings uh, on the road. Uh, so that's why I'm going with the Giants. Um, I'm going to go with the Giants. Um, what I hope that Brian Dable does, though, is watch the Dallas Vikings tape because there is no doubt in my mind that Saquon Barkley is better than Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, and they should use him exactly like both of them. Screens. Weagle routes. This de- this defense is terrible against running backs Ooh, really? in the past game. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to win this game, Saquon Barkley needs 250 all-purpose yards, you know, 125 rushing, 125 receiving. But he can against this team because of how weak they are against running backs in the past game. And that's where Daniel Jones needs to attack. I think DJ. I think the Vikings get this one by a touchdown. I think 24-17. But what I think the most important thing about all of this is that <laughs> I think through this loss, the Vi- the Giants will figure out how to game plan against the Vikings more effectively. So when they get to that wild card game, they will beat the Vikings in the wild card game. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll just well, do the right, commanders route. Do the commanders route. They just tied against the commanders, figured out uh, where to beat them, and then beat them. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to give an excuse. I'm just going to be the resident apologist for the Vikings and take <laughs> Again, yeah. it's one, one o'clock game, so Kirk Cousins Minnesota. Down. Minnesota. All right, all right. We'll go with that. Bills are going to Chicago. It's going to be a minus nine point favorite for Buffalo. Um, I think the Bills are going to get it. Bills are going to win. Um, I don't know if it, you know, with the same record as the Chiefs, they really can't take this game off. So if they want to secure their home field advantage, which makes a huge difference, win this game, cover the points, and, um, you know, still respect to the Bears. I think they might even make a push for them to cover, but I think the uh, Bills will ultimately win out. Can I make a little prop bet here? Um, just a, not a money, but like a friendly bet. I think that Justin Fields is going to go over 200 rushing yards in this game. 200 rushing yards as a quarterback. But Bills will win handily. Mm-hmm. I mean, the kickoff time is going to be 14 degrees in Chicago. It's always windy. In, it's always windy in Chicago. It is brutal to play in that city. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think the Bears cover. Um, Bills are probably going to win like a 17-14 type of a game. I think this is going to be a, a, I think it's going to be a competitive. I agree with you, Desmond. Hey, just I just want to see how much, um, how many rushing yards on FanDuel can is that those odds? Who wants to guess? Plus 20,000. Yeah, yeah, 200 plus. I I mean, do these even do they even offer that? I mean, they they have what's what's the max they offer right now, and what's what's the odds at that? The odds for rushing yards, um, 
it's taking a little too long for me to find out, but um, I'll keep it going there. But we'll just say it's plus 100,000, as Ryan said. So, um, again, you know, go to your underground bookies for that one instead. (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) Support local business. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that reminds me. I had somebody in this pod say the mafia on camera that the mafia runs all the uh, sports books. His words, not mine. Maybe the Bills. um, (laughs) (laughs) The Saints and the Browns are playing each other. Saints are going to Cleveland. Cleveland over is a minus two and a half. Uh, give this to the Saints and Andy Dalton, and people will start having a conversation. Can the Saints be the one to win this division? Uh, yeah, I got the Browns here. Honestly, I'm I'm really factoring in weather with a lot of these picks this week. You got to get a dome team from the south going up to Cleveland to play in the north, 23-degree start time against the best running back in the NFL. Nick Chubb is just going to absolutely blast the Saints defense. I got the Browns by a touchdown here. So is this you going against your natural instinct with an NFC South team? I, You know what? Sometimes talent just wins out. You know, like, I don't okay. – I, I just can't see the Saints actually stopping Nick Chubb this game. Just, just asking. Anybody um, else got a picks in this game? I'll take yeah, that. Um, I'll, take the, I'll, I'll take the Saints just so then the Eagles don't get a, a better draft pick. I'm going, <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going with the uh, the Browns, even though I would love to not have the Eagles get any good picks whatsoever. Uh, I, think, with Browns. I think Cleveland's looking at a legitimate chance for maybe the seventh seed, so I think I'm, I'm going with that line of thinking. Oh, All right. man. So we have the Texas and the Titans playing each other. Houston's going to Tennessee. Tennessee opens at minus five. I think this is the one where the te- where the Texans mm-hmm. actually win. Yeah. And um, they might even cover this one. But give it to Houston on this one. And um, then from there, they'll give Malik Willis his shot in the final two weeks of the year. I got the Titans. I think they're going to have a decent bounce back game. You know, these division games, all about familiarity. And I think, um, you know, Titans will be able to overcome the fact that they're talent has been lacking to say the least the last few weeks so i'm gonna go with the houston texans here i really think that the one if if houston has the ability to stop the run which even if they can they kept dallas close so why can't they do this against a one-dimensional team in regards to the titans here i think houston with this dual quarterback system might have enough for a weak tennessee defense to win out by a field goal or a touchdown score. Yeah, I'm going to agree with, with, with Brian. I, I think just how the Texans have played these last few weeks, they've been in almost every single game. They play tough. Uh, this Titans team is spiraling, and I think it continues to spiral, which is why I'll have the Texans uh, here and to cover the spread at five and a half as well. I got Houston. And I, do. I think it's going to come down to actually um, Houston's defense to, to seal this game. I think Tannehill's waiting for uh, – a big pick or, or some kind of blunder at home. Seahawks and the Chiefs are going at it. Seattle's going to Kansas City. Minus nine and a half is the spread for Kansas City. Kansas City will win, but they'll somehow not hit the spread once again. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. Uh, Kansas City, that spread is right at the, my point of uh, I don't like to bet on it. Um, so I'm going to go Kansas City to win outright. Uh, I could see Seattle uh, covering the spread. 
but uh, I'm just a favorite bet uh, going with Kansas City just to win outright in this one. Yeah, yeah I, the agree only... with you. I agree with you on that one. That's all I was going to say. The only way to really keep Kansas City out of a game is by keeping the ball away from them. Kenneth Walker still banged up. I don't see how it, how it happens for them. Kansas City is too locked in again that one seed. They're going to win this game easily. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I think that, um, you know, Seattle's still playing for something, but I just don't think, I just think they're outmanned. I think Kansas City at home is, is the closest thing to a guarantee. Um, particularly when, you know, you kind of know what Seattle's going to do on offense, running the ball. I think that Spagnola is going to have an easy time stopping the run. How about the Bengals going to New England at minus three and a half? Joe Burrow's going to keep winning. I think that'd be his eighth, him and the Bengals' eighth straight victory. They're going to keep their winning ways, and they're going to break the hearts of Patriot fans who deserve it. Yeah, I'm I going think- that. And ham- I'm hammering the Bengals this week. Just everything. Win outright, do whatever, slap another bet on the spread, go whatever. I think they're just going to dominate this game. I think the Cincinnati Bengals might win by like 20, 17 to 20 points in this game. I think it's going to be an utter blowout um, at home in New England just to put the icing on the cake of an embarrassing season by this mastermind that they call Bill Belichick. Yeah, I don't know about 17 or 20, but I see double digits for sure. Um, Bengals going to Foxborough and kind of smack them up. I mean, the Bengals have an underrated defense. Patriots have no offense. I think I, they're not going to get exposed because they've already been exposed, but I don't see the Patriots yeah. being able to keep up with the Bengals at all. See, I'm going to take the contrarian position here. Not only do I think this should have been flexed to the uh, to the night game, but I also think this might be the best game of the weekend. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but um, other than the Philly, you know, Cowboys game, I think that this game is uh, has potential to be a lot closer. I think that New England's kind of looking at their season being on the line and watching the the finality of that, you know, kind of slip through their hands. I think that Cincinnati, like they they, I don't know if they've really learned from having a slow start on the road in Tampa, and I think a continuation of that may occur. And I think that um, you know, Cincinnati. Uh, I think they prevail, but I think it's the closest, tightest, most competitive game of the weekend. Ooh, okay. Lions are going to Carolina. Lions are opening at minus two and a half. Crucial game for them. And the Panthers, if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive, crucial game for them as well. But I say the Lions are keeping it, keep it going. You know, go from a cold MetLife Stadium down to a warmer Carolina Stadium, what's some bank stadium, who cares? But anyways, um, Detroit is going to win this one and keep their momentum going and become America's new favorite team in the sense that these guys know how to fight. They know how to win. The coach is a big teddy bear. Jared Goff looks like Rod Gosling and he's winning. What a great story this can be. I agree with you. I want to see Detroit continue out right now. I think they're going to absolutely smack Carolina and continue to prove that Dan Campbell deserves head coach of the year. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, just looking at the implications of this game, then um, the way the Lions have been playing, uh, we all love a uh, Cinderella story, if you will. The Lions are that. Uh, and I think they're just going to continue to ascend and shock everyone um, and make it to the playoffs, but this is the way they start, and I think they're just going to beat down the Panthers. Um, Panthers are going to win this one. 
God. Just whatever you think is going to happen in the NFC South, it's the opposite. <laughs> you know? The Lions, they're just going to find a way to stumble. It's not going to make any sense. We're going to walk in here next Tuesday. And we're going to be like, we don't know how the Lions lost that game, but they did. Panthers won a close one, 23-20. I actually had I had Carolina for this game. I just think that the Lions come back down to earth for one week, and it comes down to the last week of the NFL season for them to actually sneak into the playoffs. So I think that uh, Panthers win a tight one as well. Can we just have the Lions fans have something positive for once, guys? I know. <laughs> They're going to the playoffs. The Lions are going to the playoffs, but they will lose this week. I agree. Detroit deserves something good every five years. So every decade. Yeah. Atlanta is going to the Ravens again. If they want to stay afloat, they will win this game. But will it actually happen? Minus seven and a half for Baltimore. Baltimore is going to get back to their winning ways. And uh, they're going to defeat Atlanta while who still try to figure out what to do with their roster moving forward. Can we um can we at least agree that this game is unwatchable? Yeah, that's I the agree. worst one of the week. Thank you. I don't think yeah. I don't think a touch I don't think a touchdown will be scored in this game. I think it will be a <laughs> I think it will be a nine to five Baltimore Ravens Baltimore wow. Ravens win. And I feel bad for like uh, Riddler here because like talk about it. He was probably a backup. He's like I got my clipboard the rest of the season. I'm taking mental reps. Mariota's taking the beating. He looks bruised up. I'm fine. He's probably sitting there and being like, I should have stayed in Cincinnati. My boy, what am I doing here? I just feel bad for the ticket holders. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I feel bad for the editor that is going to have to put the game highlights of this together. Shortest <laughs> <laughs> reel of the week for all the games. Uh, it's it going to be the kickers and punters. Yeah. It's going to be kickers and punters. Field goal, safety, field goal. And we're all going to be like, all right, well, that's what we know from this game. Uh, yeah. I, it's yeah, ugly, but I think the Ravens are gonna win. I got a uh, Falcons here, thirteen to ten. Of course, you I mean, hey, the Ravens' offense Ooh. has been abysmal without Lamar Jackson in there. He missed practice again today. That's seven straight practices that he's missed. He's not on track to play this weekend. So, I mean, if Huntley's your quarterback, I mean, just give it to the Falcons here. Whatever you think is going to happen is the opposite. Falcons. There will be more. Ravens. There will be more. My bad. Sorry. Sorry. There will be more punt yards in the first quarter than passing yards the entire game. <laughs> What's the problem? That's the first time. Yeah. Matt, let's find the punt yards. Someone put that prop together. Yards. Is there a punt yeah. yards? Yeah. That is punting, definitely a punting punt. Punting yards punt or yard, passing yards? Do you punt play? yards lateral across the field, not air <laughs> yards, because air yards is like 80 yards a punt. And it, that happens every game. But lateral punt yards just across the across the, across the the field in the first quarter will be more than the complete passing yards the entire game. My final score is uh, Ravens 5, Falcons 3. Mm. <laughs> I feel like this game should be a negative number score. Like, I wish you could give negative scores in the NFL like fantasy. Like, I want this to be a negative 5 to <laughs> negative 3 game. Stupid fantasy playoffs. Um, <laughs> Commanders and 49ers, right? Commanders are seven-point underdogs. Can they go to San Francisco and defeat Brock Purdy and company? The answer is no. (laughs) Give it to San Francisco on this one. I think this game will be a close game like Seattle just because I'm expecting a better defensive showing. 
um, based on Washington's pedigree on the defense. But that being said, I just think there's too many options on 49ers offense. And I expect Brian Robinson and Christian McCaffrey to combine for 250-plus rushing yards and two touchdowns. Um, that's your that's your weekly special for DraftKings. So four weeks ago, I said the Commanders would not win their next four games. Um, yeah, they've only won <laughs> one since then. I'm not backing off that pick. Com- uh, Commanders going to lose big here. 49ers win 31-13. Yeah, um, I, I got I got the 49ers in this one. You guys know I'm, I'm all in on that. Uh, also, anything to help the Giants make the postseason. Um, so 49ers, <laughs> please win this one. Um, I would like to see what Washington does. Hopefully we see Chase Young uh, make his return. I think this defense if he is back. Uh, they can they can keep this game close. Um, but I think I just got the 49ers out right. Just how great they've been playing lately. I have a low scoring 49ers win. I think both defenses are going to like light up the, uh, the stat sheet. Um, it's going to be a great game. All righty. The game of the week. The game we have all been waiting for to talk about. Raiders Steelers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. 50th yeah. anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Yeah, 1970, maybe. <laughs> oh, man. The Eagles and the Cowboys are going to be yeah. playing each other instead, actually. But um, 425, you've got Olsen and Burkhart. Everybody's going to be watching. And you know what? The Eagles are actually five-point underdogs going to Jerry Jones' world in Dallas. And in this, with the Cowboys versus Eagles, I actually will give it to the Eagles. They are going to win again. They're going to go 14-1. and one. They're going to cover. Dak Prescott is going to have – this is his what's – the, what's the equivalent – what's the opposite of a breakout game? Like career – I don't want to say career-ending game. That's pretty harsh, but um, – he will control be on his way out with this. A slump? A controlled demolition, yeah. A yeah. game that re- – Bum, you're looking for the word bum. Bum. <laughs> you know, for, for Brian's sake, this is going to edge his career. No one will look at him the same <laughs> after an abysmal performance here. And um, this, will, this will be the Eagles' big game. But um, if you believe in the one-loss curse, they should lose in the next two weeks after that. Because usually, except if you're the 85 Bears, if you are dominant – and only have one loss, you usually um, screw up in the playoffs. Uh, I'm, I'm going uh, Minchu Mania here uh, if he starts, um, just because. Oh, I see the memes right now. I just love the memes that come out when Gardner Minchu starts. Uh, I don't know why. I he lived in a truck uh, or like a bus or something, I yeah, saw. I did. Uh, but, yeah, I – Similar to the 49ers, I think it's just Eagles team has so much talent that you can just plug in Gardner Minshew, who's a quality backup quarterback, to lead the victory, uh, which is why I have them beating the Cowboys. I just have no faith in the Cowboys, what I've seen these last few weeks from them. Uh, so I think it's just going to be a Minshew mania on the road in Jerry's world. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to win this one. I want to say Philadelphia will win, but I don't know. I just – got to pick your team. No, you know what I'm really going to say right now? <laughs> no. I don't think I've ever this... heard Brian pick the Cowboys. I think every time I've been on the show, he picks the Cowboys. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and, they, and they usually win. But you know what I feel when I'm looking, I'm looking at the NFC East standings? You know what would be the most NFC East thing ever? All four teams have a tie in one season. So I'm going to go with a tie in this game right now. That's it. 
I'm going to go with a tie in this game just to fuck with everything and make a really weird set line kind of history thing that you get in one of those books that you could read on the toilet for Christmas in the stocking stuffer. All right. <laughs> the entire NFC East will have a tie this season. Dallas, Philadelphia combined score 17 17 on overtime. It's never happened. So, um, wouldn't that be something? Yeah, uh, I, um, I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think uh, 27-24 Eagles. I, uh, I Man, I see this one going right down to the end. I really do. I think Gardner Minshew is going to come in and play really well. But I see Dallas playing really well, too. And I think it's going to be um, one of those who has the ball last kind of a games. Oh, wouldn't that be funny? I really think this will be very, very fun to watch. Very, very fun to watch. It's going to be cool. So for those who are really interested in the 50 50- 50 years and one day from the day that these two players, that these two teams matched up in the AFC divisional round, 1972, the anniversary game of the Immaculate Reception. Too bad both these teams are six and eight. It could show no, um, nothing special for those players who are still around. But regardless, it is two classic franchises going at each other. Christmas Eve evening. NFL Network, Pittsburgh opens at minus three. I'm going to give the Raiders this one and um, give another reason for Alex to be happy. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you. <laughs> uh, um, I think, yeah, I think, oh, I think, uh, I think Oakland's going to win tight game. Uh, it'll probably just come down in the last possession. Uh, probably looking at, I don't know, 17, 14, but uh, yeah. Um, I'll give it to you guys. Yeah, I'm taking the Raiders. They just got too much offense. Yeah, yeah. This, this is my throw-up game of the week, as, as usual. This is my I, – I will gag while watching this and or skip it uh, just because it would be so bad. But just give Alex a good Christmas gift. I'm going to go – That's right. This level is just better than the Steelers, and they better beat them. Otherwise, Thanks for your clarity. I'll laugh at you. I'll laugh at you. But that would be pretty much – I'm going with the Raiders here. Um, bum, bum, bum. I mean, yeah, I'm, I've been saying it all – for this whole time, yeah, with these predictions, cold weather's going to be a factor. I mean, you got Josh Jacobs, number one running back in the league right now. I mean, just give it to him 30 times. I like the Raiders. And now we transfer to Christmas Day. The Packers and the Dolphins are going at it in Miami. Miami's opening at minus four. And um, I think they're going to get back on the winning train and they're going to defeat it. But I do think um, the Packers are going to uh, give them a fight. Seems Aaron Rodgers is always playing on holiday games like this. I'm pretty sure he played on Christmas last year or the year before. And um, yeah, the Dolphins are going to win this against another two other two more classic franchises. Miami. Well, you, I'm going to go with Green Bay since you know Aaron Rodgers is like the Grinch since he doesn't talk to any of his family and estrange them. So I think this is his kind of holiday of ruining everyone's playoff hopes. And uh, says like, the Miami Dolphins packing out of the playoffs. I think Green Bay wins on the field goal. No, I got uh, Miami. <laughs> I got I got Miami getting back to their winning ways. I think that they're going to have a strong showing at home. And uh, yeah, it, I, I, I expect them to win handily. Actually, yeah, I got I got Miami too. Uh, I liked what I saw against the Bills. I think it was as positive as a loss uh, as you can get. Uh, I think they'll just beat up on the Packers, um, you know, against that defense has been very, very underwhelming. So I got the Dolphins winning out right hand cover in this, uh, this week. Agree. Uh, talent gap is wide. 
uh, with the Dolphins. I don't think that the Packers are going to be able to keep up offensively. I got Dolphins with this one. Well, doesn't this game suck? Broncos and Rams. Uh, <laughs> Broncos are going to the Rams. 4.30 Christmas afternoon. Give it to oh. Denver at minus two and a half. That's what I say. Uh, I'm going to hard pass watching this one. Uh, it's NBA today, <laughs> and I'm not doing that bias because of work, but the games leading up, uh, I can completely skip over it. So I'm going to watch Lakers, Mavericks, and then wait for Bucks Celtics to start and not even tune my eyes on this one. Uh, but <laughs> I will pick the uh, Denver to win um, just because, uh, you know, or yeah, I'm just going to go Denver here, get a positive win on Christmas or something. Uh, I think this game is going to be terrible, like I said, but uh, I'm going to go with Denver. Hey, Knicks yeah. are won eight in a row now. Yeah. Here we go. I uh, I got the Rams because Russell Wilson's playing. And so now that he's back, right back in the tank. Rams. <laughs> right. How many points are they scoring, guys? How many points are Russell starting? Are they going to go over the dreaded number? Nine. Nine. Yeah, no. Nine. Two points by the defense. <laughs> I think well, this, isn't this... This is the West Coast version of uh, Atlanta versus the Ravens. Wow. Yeah. Good good one. Good one. Thank you. Well, this isn't isn't this a convenient time for one of these players, but Christmas evening, 820. The Buccaneers are going to the Cardinals for another quarterback who happens to be a legend and we know his uh, family issues at the moment. I'm sure this is a good time to play a football game. But they're actually going to Arizona for this. And um I think the Bucks are actually going to win this one. They're, I mean, you cannot lose to Colt McCoy on Christmas Day after the hell of a year you had. Give it to Tampa Bay. And if they do lose, then, yeah, uh, maybe those no. Jets aren't a bad option. No, Matt, you're wrong. You can lose to the Cardinals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Oh, just, just for comedy. Just for comedy, I'm picking the Cardinals. <laughs> the Cardinals. But Tom Brady has to go four and four instead of three and four since his divorce. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Um, and I was right. Every time I've said J.J. Wash has a flashback game, he has a flashback game. I was right a few weeks ago. I was right last week. I feel like J.J. Watt will have another three-plus sack day against this Buccaneers uh, offensive line. And every time he gets a sack, I'm pretty sure he gets like 250 grand now since he hit nine hey. sacks. So. He just had a baby. Let's get that money going for the generational wealth right now to him. Cardinals win by a field goal. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the Bucks, but the NFL didn't really do a great job competing against the <laughs> yeah. on Sunday because, uh, like I said, the game prior, and then you got Grizzlies Warriors at 8 p.m. So another good matchup on the NBA side. Uh, no, uh, just I love Cole McCoy. Uh, obviously, I always root for him. I don't know why. I always like him, but. Uh, it's Tom Brady's Christmas. I think you'll have a Christmas Day performance. Uh, so I'm gonna have the box and covering just with how the Cardinals have played there these last few weeks. If we need a Merry if we Christmas. need a second, if we need a second Christmas Day resurrection, like uh, like Brian saying, I will have AJ Green going for ten catches of buck eighty and a two touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Turn back Player the clock for Malik. Hey, yeah. at least mine's real. At least mine's realistic. It's happened twice. <laughs> <laughs> Vegas is shaking right now with these Alex player props. Like if someone finds it, they hear this. They're like, "Oh God, what happened when they hit?" Oh no, I'm propping on all. I'm propping on all. Still can't get over the uh, 200 plus rushing yards for the quarterback. (laughs) That's more likely. 
<laughs> so we have, I really think that, that would offend a lot of hardcore NFL hardos for that. You let, <laughs> but um, then we finish it off Monday night, Boxing Day, um, December 26th. The Chargers and the Colts are going at it. Chargers opening at minus four. Big game for the Chargers in this. I think they're going to keep it going. I think um, this would be a game where the Disney movie ends. Jeff Snyder's like, I can't be a head coach here. <laughs> and uh, they start their process to hand it over to someone else. And people will fall more in love with Justin Herbert. And he will not be her bum. You know what? I know we're all going to pick the Chargers. So let's just actually do something a little more fun with this last pick. How about we try to pick how much the Chargers will win by? See who gets closest when we come back next Tuesday. Because I got the Chargers by 18 points. 18 points. I, yeah, to, to continue that, the Chargers are going to win <laughs> by 11 points. No, 12 points. All right. You know what? I'm going to make a parlay out of this. Let's see. I'm going to do a five leg. So I'm going to say Chargers win by 14. I say Justin Herbert has a rushing touchdown. Austin Eckler has no touchdowns. Oh. Um, Gerald Everett has two touchdowns and four catches. And Matt Ryan somehow figures out to oh. have Jeez. a. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Matt Ryan somehow figures out to throw a ball, get it deflected back, and catch it and have one reception. <laughs> I, I apologize. That's that's how, how, I, I, you went uh, over a million easy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen. That's, that's how much this game doesn't matter to me because we all know who's winning this game. It's not even like – I'm put like this. I, I really just have to turn it on at halftime because anything the Colts do in the first two quarters means nothing. Oh, Brian, uh, how about um, uh, um, why don't you actually bet that with ten dollars? And if you hit, um, if if we hit, I will buy. I, I'm not even kidding. I will buy a building for productive conversations with that million. <laughs> Dude, that would change everything. Please do that. I quit my okay. job on the spot. Uh, I, start... I will buy a. I will buy a piece of land, design it myself, get the tax credit, so we're all good, and buy everything, build it, and we'll have a. We'll have. We'll have our own. Uh, our own like little Pat justice. McAfee spot. No, the justice, yeah, yeah, like a warehouse. It looks like, looks like a warehouse in Brooklyn, very vibey. Okay, we'll have some. We'll have a nice, nice little barn doors, open barn doors. It'll look good. That's how much that's gonna hit. I have oh, faith. Yes, I have faith. Let's change. Let's change our lives with that one, please. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go. Uh, Chargers winning by 21. I oh, think right. <laughs> that's the high one so far. No, beat no. I'm going to go high. I'm going high. I'm going 21 with the Chargers. I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep with my prop bet ways. I got the go. I got the ghost of Christmas past and Philip Rivers coming back and haunting both these quarterbacks. <laughs> I got both quarterbacks throwing three picks. <laughs> how much did the Chargers win by, Alex? Can you tell us? Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Hold on. I got them winning by ten. Okay. Ah, all right. Ten and both quarterbacks. Low one. Three picks. We got to throw that into the parlay now too. After I want three parlay. picks from both. Please, 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 please. Let's definitely start that funding account. But all right, gentlemen, that'll conclude this edition of the Productive Conversations podcast. Everybody have a wonderful holiday weekend. We have Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and Festivus. We have them all in the next few days. So it's going to be a good time. But uh, happy holidays, gentlemen, and we'll see you soon.
Happy holidays, everyone. Be good. Peace. Great job, gentlemen. This was everything we wanted and more. Great, great job. Alex, Alex, Desmond, Brian. That was one of our best shows of the year for sure. Great job, gentlemen. Now let's head it off to Ramblin' Russ Miller for his picks for Week 16 in the NFL. Here we go. Now on to something different. Good afternoon, sports fans, and a Merry Christmas to one and all as you celebrate the holiday this coming Sunday. Football will be played on Saturday. Also, there's a game Thursday night this week, week number 16 in the league where they play for pay. And we start off with Thursday night's football game. And folks, I'm going to surprise you with this pick because I've been on the other side pretty much all year. But I believe that the Jets are all done. Jacksonville over the Jets is play number one. Play number two, we go to Carolina. One o'clock on Saturday, the Detroit Lions will beat the Carolina Panthers. So Detroit, play number two. Play number three, the Seahawks travel to Kansas City. Kansas City is in renown not to cover spreads. However, this week they will cover. Kansas City is play number three. And play number four, we go to Minnesota. And folks, the Giants will not give up 33 points to the Minnesota Vikings. They will not blow a big lead. They will not get a big lead. But they will also play a very close game. It's going to be a very close game. Giants squeak it out by a field goal. So the Giants, the Chiefs, the Lions, and the Jaguars are your plays for week number 16 as we approach the near the playoff season. And I look forward to sharing with you some March Madness thoughts as we get into the conference play in the national, in the NCAA basketball season gets rolling along have a great holiday everybody see you soon great job rambling russ miller thumbs up to you good job with your picks this week hopefully you win people some money and you win people's trust and you get some respect after the fact don't forget to like and subscribe to the productive conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and youtube and don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. Want Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Prod Combo Pod, Raw TikTok at Productive Conversations. And thank you to Alexander DeJesus for making all that content possible. So next week, the final full week of 2022, not only my birthday week, but... We're going to be dropping Week 16 review in the NFL, so we'll do our Week 16 NFL podcast, and then we are bringing back the Timeline Show. We did it last year. It was a huge success going through each major event from January all the way to December. We did it with 2021 last year across news, entertainment, sports, and culture. We're doing the same for 2022. We are getting that crew ready, and you do not want to miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. That was my favorite podcast to do last year, and we're bringing it back. So a year in review, the Timeline Pod 2022, coming your way next week, as well as the NFL Pod. So enjoy that. Enjoy your holiday weekend, the best holiday weekend of them all. It's going to be special. 
whether you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, all of the above, please, please enjoy your holiday weekend. I'd like to thank Dolo Ren, Alexander DeJesus, Russ Miller, Desmond Price, Alex Ranelio, Alex Young, Brian McKeon, and all of you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for making this all possible. I will see you next week. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family. Enjoy your holiday, everybody. Please, please take a couple of minutes and appreciate how lucky you are to be with loved ones on this holiday season. So with that, my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast, and I'll see you very, very soon. Happy holidays, everybody. Peace. Peace.